Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? <laughs> of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? <laughs> of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 30 seconds. Let's see, because the corner-to-corner promo is about to hit. Okay. Old one, not your new one. I didn't know was there, but it's a little bit messenger. Bless up on it. You messaged me. <laughs> Get him, Chris. I had something to send you. <laughs> Live in 15. <laughs> All speeds go. That's right. I'll count you in. Tell you the next hour. <laughs> and corner to corner wrestling radio is live in five, four, three. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to BeyondRingside.com, C2CRadioShow.com. The Beyond Ringside Radio Network is live and in full effect for corner to corner time, which is right now. I'm Stan Grubb, my co-host Brian Taylor. What's up? What's going on? We are joined, as always, by Fast Eddie Lane. And unfortunately, my calorie intake is still higher than the number of tests that are available, and I don't mean ACT. Ooh, that's that's awkward. And we are joined by a very special guest, friend of the show, friend of the family, if you will, by the one and only Shane Knowles. Welcome, Shane. How are you, sir? Thank you guys for having me, and I will say it's the first time on a Sunday in late March when I have a perfect March Madness bracket. <laughs> <laughs> We're all undefeated, damn it. <laughs> uh, Rob. Woo! Rob Hefner will be joining us uh, momentarily. It's been, wow, it's it's global pandemic all over again. I mean, damn, it just keeps going. It's crazy. It's insanity. Uh, it's social distancing. So that's what we're doing. We're all in remote locations. We don't even know where each other are. We can't even see each other. Right now, we're just pretending. We're hoping someone's listening. China's listening. China loves it. I have, 
I have faith in our Chinese fans. I am very tempted to learn Chinese so that we can at least do a segment in Chinese. Oh, good luck with oh, that. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, what, 15 minutes. Pff, we can do 15 minutes. Stanley, I have to do this. You, I have a very good in Chinese. Uh, I have a... what, what did Granny teach you? <laughs> what did what, Granny, Granny taught me nothing Shay Shay. that would be able there to be said on the air. <laughs> oh, that's thank you. I know, thank you. Shay Shay. <laughs> I have a... Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I could read a menu. Does that count? I know teriyaki chicken. Szechuan? That's English. <laughs> Wiener. Egg roll? Oh, wait, that's English. I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we laugh because we will not cry. That's exactly what we're doing here. Only if you know who calls. You've heard the bit on. You've heard the bit on Tuesday and Thursday. You know who I mean about crying. There's there's no crying in wrestling. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just blocks you on Twitter and don't say the name. <laughs> he doesn't block me. Well, actually, he doesn't follow me. But he won't. I mean, he might let me follow him. I don't know. I don't think I follow him. Who? That guy. That guy? The news guy. That guy. That guy. The guy that sleeps I've in the dirty tried. sheets. I'm sure, I'm sure I could probably squeak it under the radar. I could probably get him to block me in three seconds again. Just ask ask him about his relationship with Eric Bischoff. I'm sure that I was sense. just about to say Eric Bischoff was right. I could do it in four words. <laughs> Speaking of, have y'all seen that the, the game show that comes on in the afternoons that I did not even know existed until the pandemic kicked in? It's called 25 Words. No. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen it. What is Meredith, 25 Words? Meredith Vieira is the host of it. And what it is, you have two celebrities and a civilian on each team. And this is obviously taped a while back, but you get the, what you do is they have five words and you have to bid kind of like the old name that tune, the number of words you can take that you, it will take you 25 or under to get all five words. Correct. Hmm. It's a cute little game. Now do me, um, do me a favor. We spoke about this before, before we went on air and Stan and I had a confab, so to speak earlier in the week. Um, and by the way, for the record, for everybody listening into the Beyond Ringside channel on TuneIn and the TuneIn mobile app, welcome in. Uh, technically tonight, of course, it is the corner-to-corner time slot, but we're also technically doing a Fusions episode with corner-to-corner and the Shooters Gallery. Of course, Stan has been on there before. Brian's too good to come on the show with us. I never get asked. What? Of course, you, you want to try that again? <laughs> Blame Stan. No, honestly, you can ask Rob. We don't get asked. I think Stan forgets. That is Mmm, no. But okay. Okay. See? Because originally... Shall we back down? Mm-hmm. That's not... Oh, oh, okay. That's some oh, oh, bull oh, oh, crap right there. I'll ask next time. Now, now, for those who are familiar with the Beyond Ringside Radio product and catch the Shooter's Gallery Thursday nights, 8.30 p.m. Central, 6.30 on the, p.m. on the West Coast, Shane Knowles is my co-host on that show. And he brought up a very intriguing what-if scenario this week. And I wanted to get 
the mindsets and perspectives of Stan and Brian on this question. So for the gentleman I referred to as our trivia master on the Shooters Gallery, Shane, if you would, please. Why, thank you, sir. And uh, I'll preface this by saying this came about because during these tough times, we're all looking for things to do or gobbling up content, you know, like a pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving. So uh, on the Something to Wrestle podcast, Conrad Thompson, Bruce Pritchard, it was casually mentioned on an episode they you know, uploaded about Ric Flair, about the negotiations that Ric Flair had in 1988 with the World Wrestling Federation to come in. I think we've heard varying uh, reports on this throughout the years. But Bruce kind of laid it out there that you know things had gotten serious to the point where there was actually a plan for Flair to come in as the very first guest for the Brother Love Show in the summer of 1988. While debuting on the Brother Love Show, he would go on to work the Macho Man Randy Savage for the Intercontinental title at the very first SummerSlam in 1988, saying that negotiations were serious enough that himself, Pat Patterson, anyone else around was not even involved, that Vince was dealing directly with Rick. No one else really had any contact. But I think, you know, knowing that, it got me to thinking, and I think Eddie, Phil, and I had such a I think Ted Guinness was with us too on thinking of this. So to get your thoughts, if Flair goes over to the World Wrestling Federation in say June of 1988, what would the NWA have been? And some of those hypotheses I throw out there is: Would Ted Turner have still completed the sale? Because we've heard famously that Ted only knew Ric Flair when he bought the company and changed it to WCW. Think about that. Ric Flair's 1989, that trilogy with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the I Quit match with Terry Funk, never materializes. Um, what would be left of the NWA Crockett promotions? Would there be a WCW without a Turner acquisition? Would we have Nitro, Bischoff? So many different things could roll off the tongue on this, but I will leave it open for you guys. Now, I, uh, let me just go out and say that we love playing the what if game that corner to corner. We do. Okay. So very interesting. Um, Stan, you want to go first? Sure. Sure. Um, take a stab at it first. Yeah, I'll go at it. You know what? We can do this from two perspectives anyway, because Brian is predominantly NWA Crockett and I came in at WWF Probably right around 1988, 87-ish. Oh, wow. So it should be a good uh, good contrast here. Uh, you know, Ric Flair in 1988, there was no better technical performer, period. There was no better. You had a lot of guys that were popular, that had great bodies, that had great looks, that had great, maybe even great promo too. But they, could, did it, they didn't have that whole package. Ric Flair did. So, Flair, in June of 88, that would be, let's see, 88 is WrestleMania 4. That's after Randy Savage wins the world title. And that, imagining Randy Savage at the top of his game, Hulk Hogan pretty much at the top of his game at that point, Andre Giant still relatively active full-time, uh, and Ric Flair added to that mix. 
Um, let's see. Let's answer the questions in order. So how would NWA have fared? From my perspective, it would have been another classic example of Vince McMahon taking a top guy from a territory and ultimately a territory shutting down. I feel like mm. it's especially with a guy as prominent as Ric Flair. I mean, you think about it. Magnum TA was already injured on the shelf and not coming back. Dusty Rhodes in 1988 was still in NWA and still relatively active. So they had a top good guy, but would they have had a top heel? Would there have been somebody to take the place of Ric Flair? Maybe Terry Funk? Possibly. So you had somebody there from a WWF perspective, like a WWF fan. I I wonder if 1988 would have been as effective with Ric Flair as it was when he came ultimately in 91, because in 88, you still had your, unless they were in the Southeast, pretty much in the mid Atlantic to Southeast WWF was like, Okay, it's us, and there's nobody else. Like, they never acknowledged outside what was happening. It was basically they were in a bubble. Not quite the same as how they are today, but close, because they really haven't differed too much. Um, So I feel like Ric Flair would have been very successful. I feel like he would have had a great run as far as a feud with Savage. But I also would wonder how fans reaction to him if he would have ultimately turned into a good guy just because of how popular he was in 88 if they would have forced their hands brian what do you, you got? you're talking in the wwe or wwf i guess yeah in 88 basically fresh well, off the clash to... of champions one with the 45 minute draw with sting mm-hmm Let's see. So, I, I, so taking the other side of the, of, of the coin there, the Crockett Promotions, I don't think they lose too much. Because when does Flair actually go WWE? 80, no. Uh, 91. 91. Okay. So, I think you still have the stars to kind of limp, limp forward. Um, if you if you catch what I'm saying, I mean the NWA for Crockett was was starting to me the national push. Of course, they don't really go national till Turner, I guess, on such a wide scale, but. You still have Sting there. You have uh, the other ones that came from um, uh, UWF, I think. Was that it? Steve Williams and the like? Uh, Yeah. Um, So I think you still have star power. I I would imagine that Flair is very integral in pushing Sting further. But I think even without Flair, Sting would just find a, another a, a pseudo flair and his career still takes off. Um, you may not get the, you know, the, the class of champions match, but I think somewhere along the way, sting is good enough to maybe 
Maybe it's Blanchard. Maybe it's Arn. Maybe it's Barry. And, you know, they have a, a match to replace that. And then they just kind of limp forward until you hit when Flair naturally goes to the WWF. And then the timeline basically sets itself right. Uh, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, again, I do think it hurts them. I think Turner still buys the company. I think Turner probably had it in his mind, especially probably watching the WWF, the, the you know, rise like it did in the 80s. And Turner being a businessman was probably like, well, if I get one, I can do the same thing. And he just doesn't understand the intricacies yet of how to run that company or run uh, the uh, WCW. So, but I, again, I, you're only talking, what, about two and a half years until Flair leaves anyway? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think it, it hits him a little bit because you still miss out on all the horsemen stuff towards, uh, towards the end there, but um, I don't think it. I don't think it's going to make that much of a dent. I think Crockett still pushes on to Turner, and Turner takes WCW. Sting becomes the star, and we move forward. You know, you mentioned you mentioned the Four Horsemen. It just occurs to me. So in 1988, the Brainbusters transition to WWF. So the Four Horsemen may have very well, as does, by the way, Barry Windham as uh, the Widowmaker. Widowmaker. Yes, in 89. So the Four Horsemen could have very easily transitioned to WWF. Now, would they have been as dominant? I have no idea. Because WWF did not handle factions very well back then. Right. But based on what you're paying Flair. Right. Right? So if Flair leaves... What we say, eighty-seven? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Eighty-seven. Uh, June of eighty-eight would have been the. Oh, eighty-eight. Okay, so if he leaves eighty-eight, that may free up money that they can then turn around and dump into somebody else. So you may not have gotten that, especially if you go to say Arn and say, "Hey, Arn, I'm gonna give you a pay raise and." we're going to push you in a singles route and we're going to push you pretty high up the ladder. Isn't that fascinating to think though, that maybe arguably Flair's best year that 1989 with the steamboat trilogy and the Terry Funk, I quit match would have never materialized. Well, that's true, but I mean, it's, it's possible though that, you know, somebody else has that that trilogy, and it turns out just as well. I mean, um, F- Funk and Dusty could have been pretty damn phenomenal. Uh, you know, it, you could have turned uh, somehow. You know, gotten Steamboat or and Sting together. Ooh, uh, you know, they very well could have had uh, that series, and we'd be talking about that right now. Let me bounce this one off of all three of you, if I could. There was a return to the World Wrestling Federation on July 7th of 1988. 
if Flair had made that move and would have hooked up with Anderson and Blanchard in 88 to reform a semblance of a faction of the horsemen, what happens when the rockers come back and Shawn Michaels tries to start his ascent? Mm. Oh, I... <laughs> a four horseman with so Shawn Michaels. So if they do it correctly, if, if, they, if they use them in any semblance from the NWA, WCW, Crockett, you know, whatever you want to call that era there, because, you know, um, I, I don't think Michaels becomes, I, I think it takes him longer, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can almost see the Rockers, especially going against Arn and Tully, it, you know, the NWA version, WCW version, I could almost see them much like, uh, who was it, Buddy Rose and... Uh, Doug Summers in the mm-hmm. AWA. What were their names? I don't. I don't. It was. It was Rose and Summers. I mean, you got the Pat, uh, okay, Playboy so, Buddy Rose and uh, it was a Pat Summers, wasn't it? No, I think it's Doug. Yeah, I think maybe you're right. It's Doug. Yeah. So, but I could very easily see the Brain Busters just literally dominating them throughout the course of their tag team run, and you know, I, I don't know if Michaels is going to get get off to any type of jump, especially if Flair is treated like Flair should have been treated. It's the simple things that are oh so marvelous with rich, creamy, non-dairy Planet Oat oat milk, like coffee. The first cup mixed with a little Planet Oat, that's pretty marvelous. Or Planet Oat in a bowl of cereal, sharing a laugh on Saturday morning. (laughs) But don't forget about mom's Planet Oat mac and cheese. It's so ooey gooey. Yep, there's so many moments that are more marvelous with Planet Oat. Rich, creamy, non-dairy oat milk. Oh, what a planet. At Dunkin', we're getting ready for sunnier days with our Sunrise Batch Iced Coffee. A bright and balanced iced coffee with notes of cocoa, tangy sweetness, and toasted nuts. Made to brighten every day a little more. Soak in the sunshine a little more. And fill every moment with a little more, more. Because we aren't just chasing sunsets anymore. We're counting sunrises too. Do more with Dunkin' Sunrise Batch Iced Coffee. Brewed for brighter days. Enjoy a medium for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Well, and then, and then yeah. it goes back to the psychology of how they do the horse. Cool one. Cool one. So if, if... Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. If yeah. they treat them like the NWA, I, I could see... Especially if you brought Barry through Barry in the mix, mm-hmm. they would just run roughshod over everybody. Well, and then and then I have to agree with you even further because at that time, '89 is when the Rockers gelled as one of the best tag teams of that year. I wouldn't say of like history or anything like that. They were a little further along from that, but they were just starting to really gel together in WWF style. And the Brainbusters were put against them to kind of start teaching them how to slow some pieces down, how to speed some other parts up. And that's where you started to see that maturity come from two guys that were notable partiers in AWA. And when they came to WWF at first, and, you know, that's where the infamous, uh, you know, Vince tells Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, hey, those are great-looking boots. They're like, hey, thank you, sir. And he goes, you know, they're made for walking. That's where that whole conversation goes because he found out about their partying habits. So... I think that you're absolutely right. I think, one, the Rockers stay longer as a tag team 
because there's not a spot in the singles rank there. Same goes for Bret Hart. The Hart Foundation stays together as a tag team longer. They still break out. As a matter of fact, I'm still convinced that Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, and some of that younger, quote-unquote, new generation would still break out. But I think it would have been much further in the 90s. Much further. Because Flair, Flair was delivering on a whole nother level in 88, 89, and 1990. Um, so imagine the power of Hogan and Ric Flair at WrestleMania five. Yeah. But unfortunately this is where I'm going to have to differ, right? Because I don't think Hogan sticks around for a flare, a full really? on flare horseman run. You think flare, you think Hogan would have been disgusted by the quote unquote new toy? Uh, I don't know. I don't think he's disgusted by the new toy. I think he's disgusted that a legit performer. Now, again, he's a, to me, he's a sports entertainer. Back then, it was still more pro wrestling, mm-hmm. and Flair's the best of the best. And, and at that time, Flair's for both of you. What did you say, Sam? I'm sorry. I was I'm just sorry. saying, at that, that time, Flair was a proven draw. Go ahead, Shane. Right. And and but I don't yeah, that, think Hogan is going to share with Flair. I think Hogan says, "You know what? I'm out of here." That's the question I had for everyone too. Was you know if he comes in at that time, do we still get the Mega Powers explosion between Savage and Hogan, or would you uh, would you do Hogan and Flair? And Vince was so adamant that no one beat Hogan. We didn't see it until Mania Six in 1990 with Warrior. Would he have put in Flair over Hogan? at that time, a true heel. I, I, I think, again, I think if they use them right, I think business just literally takes off through the roof. And I think you could very easily, I think Vince is smart enough to see that when you put Hogan and Flair on that collision course, even if you keep them separate for a year, you could already start to sell tickets for WrestleMania. And I, I think they were scared to put Hogan down that collision course because it didn't happen very often. I, and in 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 the, the WWF, mm-hmm. like it should have. I mean, Flair should have walked in the door, and you know, you could almost see Flair ripping Hogan's uh, cross off and saying, "You know what, Bud? I'm here. I'm going for you." and then have the matches with everybody else. But they didn't because I think they don't they they probably had something big in mind, but it just ultimately for whatever reason didn't pan out. Do but I, I I think oh go ahead. No, go ahead, finish. Oh, I, but I do think that if Hogan gets into a full-blown like program with Flair to include Arn and Tully and maybe a fourth, maybe instead of Barry, you say, hey, let's let's try putting Macho Man in there. You know, let's, you know, let's take somebody else. And was perfect there at that time? 88? Yes. Yeah. Late 88. Okay. Yeah. Oh, could you imagine that setup? Now, here's, perfect and was the kind of the, with the, the initial match, could you imagine a Macho Man 88? Versus Flair 88, just what it would be on the surface. Like, those guys were probably at the peaks of their powers. Oh, yeah. 
but I just I just don't think Hogan wants to share the the spotlight with Flair enough to where he would do long term program business because they could have made a fat mint putting Hogan and Flair in a long term program. I, mean, I have a double-edged sword that I want to throw at y'all. Okay. And I'm going to flip the order for a second because I want to get Shane in on this one first. Because if we have this scenario, here's the homework lesson. One of the biggest events for the National Wrestling Alliance at any particular point in time, even before, I mean, uh, even the couple of years after it became WCW, was the buyout. Starcade. The main event for Starcade True Grit 1988 was Ric Flair, Lex Luger for the National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Championship. Flair bails in June. This match doesn't happen. Here's the loaded question. Like I said, I'm going to go to Shane first, then I, will, I just want to see how everybody plays this. If Flair bounces in June... Does Luger ascend to the world championship faster than Sting? Does Sting ascend to the world championship faster than Luger? Or do they put it on somebody else to figure out what they're going to do and how they're going to recoil? Because losing a person, the magnitude of flair at that point, who was your franchise champion, who was the focal point, that affects the entire world championship picture. So does Sting fast track? Does Luger faster track? Or do they figure somebody else in the equation? Shane? I think Luger does fast track because Flair was adamant about it was going to be Sting that he passed the torch to. Sting tore the patella. They had to delay it. Flair did it at Great American Bash 90. Uh, but without Flair in the equation to kind of be the stickler of, no, I promise Sting, it's going to be Sting, I think Luger goes. We've heard there's always been a lot of voices that were for Luger, and Flair said he's not ready yet. Um, but Stan had mentioned something at the onset that I thought, if it's not Flair, I think it's a guy like Terry Funk that could help make a Sting or Luger. Would it had still been to the level that Flair did? Who knows? But Terry Funk in 88, I think, is your best option. I think Ricky Steamboat gets thrown aside in the shuffle because he certainly did after. That's one of the baffling things to me is after the great trilogy in 89 with Flair, he was out of the company within like three months. Uh, just, you know, cast aside. So without Flair, I'm not sure Steamboat rises to that ascension in the world title picture. Now, Rob mentioned, um, or Brian, I'm sorry, UWF. I think a guy like Rick Steiner in 88 before Scotty came along, certainly had the look and had the work rate. And that, that's something I think people forget, I think, just how good Rick Steiner was in the ring as a singles competitor, certainly as a tag team competitor. But before Scotty came along in the Steiner brothers, Rick Steiner, and you know what? And here's a wild card, maybe a hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert, cool. uh, who had a great mind, mm -hmm. you know, certainly for wrestling. And, you know, who knows, man, if you get hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert, say with or without Missy Hyatt, against a Sting or a Luger. I mean, we're throwing out scenarios here without the nature boy, Ric Flair in 88, 89. These are just some that come to my mind. But the rest of that roster, I'm just not sure. I mean, would they have done something crazy like, hey, let's split the Midnight Express, Bob Eaton? I mean, because you know in pro wrestling, when you have to go with alternatives, everything's on the table. Hey. 
Ryan? Uh, well, so Shane brings up some good points. And I think what the interesting part is, is the true dynamics of both companies, right? So the NWA was more about pro wrestling to me. And the WWE was about the flash, right? And they were getting into the calling themselves sports entertainment. And I think looking at a true pro wrestling aspect, you could have used Terry Funk. Could have used Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. I mean, we forget that guys like Ricky Morton could go toe-to-toe with a guy like Ric Flair. You could have very easily, you know, even though it may cost you in the long run, you could have given Ricky Morton a singles push for a while. Um, uh Nikita was he Nikita was still around for a bit. Uh, uh, Nikita uh, was pretty close to his prime in '88, I would say. Okay, yeah. and mm-hmm. and if you remember, once Magnum went down, Nikita slid into that role, and he would he became a fan favorite, and I mean he was a huge favorite, and Nikita could have very easily slid into that world title picture not only got it, but probably dominated it for a year or two. Now, and then you could... Go, no, ahead. go ahead. No, finish up. Finish up. Oh, oh and you would have had Sting and Nikita. You would have had Funk and Nikita. Steiner and Nikita. You had the influx of the new, the UWF guys who kind of took it to the next level. But I, I, I still think Based off of the dynamic of the company, you would have taken a little hit because, I mean, who can replace Ric Flair in his prime? But I think you still are able to push push forward and move on. And, I mean, let's not forget that you had other companies that were falling apart that they probably easily could have picked apart as well and offered them, you know, money. To come in and take over. Do me a favor. Before, uh, let me jump in for one second, Stan. I know what you're about to do, but let me bounce this off everybody real quick. The Great American Bash 1988 was July 10 in Baltimore Arena, Baltimore, Maryland. The reason why I bring this up is because this was a night that long-term wrestling fans still talk about because of the way the main event finished. The main event, Flair... Luger and the match was stopped by the athletic the, commission by the athletic yeah. commission because Luger was bleeding. They had a no blood policy. So <laughs> that match never <laughs> takes place. And to answer a previous question, some of the people who would have been in the mix in 1988 in July, had that bounce occurred in June, Barry Windham, Dusty Rhodes, U.S. title. Road Warriors, Steve Williams, Jimmy, and Ron Garvin, former champ, are a champion in play. Oh, uh, Sullivan, Jimmy. <laughs> no, Ron was the champ, not Jimmy. <laughs> well, I know, but uh, t- t- I, so I think Jimmy is one of those guys that should have been, you know, <laughs> in backstage politics. You know, they should have just put that to the side. I think Jimmy's another one that you could have very easily – given uh, a great run in that title mix and it would have worked just it would have worked great and one mistake that i made 
was thinking that Fle- um, that Tully and Arn bounced earlier than June when they were on the Bash 88 card defending the NWA World Tag Team titles against Nikita and Sting. So they were still there. So who knows? Let's put this in play. If Rick leaves and Arn doesn't, would Arn possibly have gotten his world title run I'll hang that question out there, Stan. I know you've got something you need to do right now. Go for it, my friend. So, as you heard, he called it out. Rob Hefner joining the table, sir. Welcome back to Corner to Corner. Well, hello there. Welcome. <laughs> Rob, as you've heard, flashing back here, we're doing our what-ifs. 1988, Ric Flair jumps ship year. to WWF. Let's talk a little bit about it. Shane has asked the question, how would it impact the wrestling world, WWF? How would it impact Crockett? We've broken down a little bit of what we thought WWF would have done. We've talked about what Crockett would do. Now we've kind of had some other pieces now moving around the table. Arn Anderson, the Free Birds, the Road Warriors. Rob, 1988, if Flair goes to WWF, what do you see from your perspective as how that impacts the world? Of wrestling, that is. Uh, hmm. I think we wouldn't have had Hulkamania as long as we would have. Oh, that's two votes for that! Wow. I mean, I think, I think you would have had you would have had Hogan versus Flair in there, both in their prime, which would have knocked the socks off anything else in wrestling. Um, at the time, um, would Crockett have? Moved on, yeah. I mean, look how many people, young talent Crockett had at the time. <clears throat> the problem was they had the belt on one guy, you know. Like what was mentioned, Nikita. I mean, Nikita. Nikita was never given his his due. Um, do I think Iron could have gotten a world title shot? I don't know. I don't know. I've always looked at Iron as a that title under the world title guy, you know. Not saying he wasn't good enough. I was just saying, you know, that's you always saw him as, you know, he's the best friend of the guy. <laughs> um, always yeah, a bridesmaid, I mean, never a bride, huh? Right, right. I mean, I think, I mean, Ric Flair moving to WWE in '88 would have really changed the landscape of um, what we see today. Actually, I think. Do you think? You know, that- I would be remiss. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, I would be remiss. We mentioned so many people to take that mantle, and his name was mentioned in passing as like the horseman. But in 88, if I'm not wrong, I believe Barry Wyndham had a very dominant run as the United States champion Yep. in 88, off defeating Nikita. So would he have been the natural ascension guy? This is a guy that in the summer and fall of 86 was working with Flair in some tremendous bouts, uh, some of them going to 60-minute mark. So if he had that run and 88 is U.S. champion without Sting, without Luger, without Steamboat, Punk would have been the natural thing to say, oh, put it on Barry, second-generation wrestling. Well, I also think I would argue that Flair not going screwed Barry Wyndham, you know, because if he would have gone very well, like you'd have said, they, Barry Wyndham would have been the heir apparent at that time because that's what they were grooming him for. But I think Barry fell victim to there was not enough room at the top when he got there. You know? 
And so they were like, all right, well, we're going to give you a title. Hey, we're going to make one up for you. How about the Western States Heritage title? (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to make a title. We love you so much. Yeah, but I, that title was around before that. Yeah, it was in Rio de Janeiro. Pat Patterson won it. <laughs> Jeez. Him and Pedro Morales traded for it. <laughs> that is a Western state. <laughs> hey, you was your Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I said Pat Patterson. Remember, he won the first, he <clears throat> won the first ever intercontinental title tournament in Rio de Janeiro. Here's a, your hypothetical tournament. See, this is what's happening. School's not in session, and we're all screwed up on ge- on geography. Now, <laughs> let me do this one to you, and whoever wants to take this one, jump in. If my memory serves me correctly, Dusty was one of the primary bookers alongside of Ole Anderson during calendar year 88 because that was still JCP, and JCP was heavy Dusty booking, i.e. the Dusty finish. Would Dust, if Flair had bounced in June, knowing Bash 88 in July, would Dusty have booked himself into a transitional world title run to pass that belt on to Barry so that a heel gets that belt back? Or does he sidestep and go ahead and run with it for a few months? Or does he immediately put somebody directly else into that babyface champ slot? All right. So when does, when does Garvin win? Ooh, I thought that was 90. No, is Ronnie Garvin is world champion. Garvin was uh, 87. Yeah. All right. So 87. Okay. All right. So I got it back at Starcade 87. Okay. All right, so we're I, right in the same air we're talking about, right? To so me, this, if, if Dusty is going to put the title on Ronnie, who I think I I think is a very good transitional champion, I don't I don't see where Dusty's going to come out and and like put the title on himself to be a transitional champion. I think he'll entrust somebody else to do it because, again, a transitional champ isn't going to hold it for very long, especially back then. I mean, in in the era of you winning on Saturday, losing on Sunday, you could very easily put it on somebody for a week or two and then switch it to whoever. Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? (laughs) Of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Whatever you wanted. I, I, I don't, and again, I don't, I've never met Dusty. I can only surmise that the reason he stopped winning titles is there was a part of him that said I can play the secondary role and enhance these people and let them carry the ball. Brian, Dusty was one of the first people and so many people want to scream BS when they hear this line, but to, for Dusty, it applied he didn't need a championship to be over. 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. In his mind, after the what the third one, he doesn't touch it again. He doesn't even come close. And him being the booker, you would think it would be real easy for him to to take it and then to hold it. But I think he was more than willing to allow others to go to that spot and carry the company. And uh, don't get me wrong, it's not like he didn't have a great career after the third title. But I just don't think in his mind he felt he had to carry it. He was more than willing to let others. <laughs> and I'm telling you, just like we've talked before, if Magnum never gets hurt, I think Flair by that time in 87, 88 could leave and they wouldn't even bat in an eye. I've got one final question for everyone on this. Let's look at it on the surface. Flair comes in June of 88. Challenges World Wrestling Federation champion Macho Man Randy Savage at SummerSlam. What's the business for that? Because we didn't have all the extra three-hour programming going on. We didn't have the additional pay-per-views in between. You've got two and a half months, which, by the way, SummerSlam's debut in 88, the initial SummerSlam, with Flair Mach on top for the belt, regardless of a finish with two and a half months of build. You know, what's the buy rate? Hmm. All depends on who the supporting cast is. If it's Tully, I mean, Arn, and, and Flair building up the SummerSlam, you've got lightning in a bottle. And all you have to do is just set up your horsemen to beat the piss out of Randy Savage. Yes. And if they set it up the way they set it up their one years later with the whole, she was mine before she was yours. Oh, wow. Yes, the Dr. Photos, yes. You know, like, I mean... They did that back then when Savage was still very hot and Flair was hot. Like, oh, dear Lord. You know, she rode Space you Mountain. You took it right out of my mouth. Me. I was like, yeah. Yeah, if he came in with those photos on the Brother Love show, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, if, you're, if, if the marquee says Flair versus Savage... For the world title, I think it would rank probably in their top five pay-per-views ever as far as buy rates. Mm -hmm. Because even two-month build-up, again, there are different ways you could build it up, but I think you can just lather every everybody up, and you could pull – Crockett crowd to buy a WWE po- uh, pay-per-view and the WWE uh, Universal latch right onto that. And again, if you bring Elizabeth into it, it's pure gold and you could probably make an hour match out of it and it'll turn out to be one of the, the most bought pay-per-views of the pay-per-view era. And that's the thing, too, that you, you said that I was thinking is how many viewers of Crockett programming would watch SummerSlam to watch their guy, so to speak. Oh, man. In the world title. Yeah. In the WWF right off the bat. Imagine well, Jesse Ventura and Gorilla I still Monsoon. think there was a split audience that was watching two different pro- products for the most yeah. part. Well, and back then, people didn't hop. You know? Like, back then, it wasn't like, oh, hey, you know, the guy's here today and over there tomorrow. It was... No, Flair would never do that, ever. Right. Yeah. And then, because that was before the whole 
you know, you got to think that's before anybody knew anything was happening. You know, and for mm-hmm. Flair to show up, especially that was also when Macho and Elizabeth were still going hot and heavy in real life. So that would have been that would have oh that would have struck a nerve. Oh yeah, and 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 being a staunch <laughs> Jim Crockett Promotions fan, especially during that time, I didn't flip a channel for the WWE or WWF. I might have caught the Monday night show every once in a while. But that was it. I, I mean, I was strictly WCW, Jim Crockett Promotions, NWA, whatever you want to call it. And even I would have been like, holy cow, where am I finding 100 bucks? Because back then the per- pay-per-view prices were outrageous. Where can I find a satellite, you know? Borrowed money from my mom. I got to watch his pay-per-view. Even I would have bought into it. Flair Savage, the first time out in a pay-per-view. Oh, my goodness. I mean, there's so many dynamics that play out right there before your eyes. You you look at it. You've got you know, Jesse Ventura, Gorilla, Monso- Gorilla Monsoon calling the match. You've got uh, one of the best referees in the business, Earl Hebner, refereeing this main event. You've got... You know, Savage and Elizabeth at the height of their popularity. You've got Ric Flair at the height of his villainy. You've got, you know, key components with Tully and Arn because at this point they're already on their way. You get to August of 88, you've got so many different pieces, and all you have to do is just move the chess pieces around just a little bit. And in two months' time, that's plenty of time. To build that up, and that's plenty of time for that. I, I gotta agree with Brian. That SummerSlam probably becomes one of the best pay per views of all of all time. Could someone pull up the actual card from that SummerSlam '88? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm on it. We're talking about. Give me a second. I'm there. Because obviously, yeah, some and- of the stuff like if we have the Conquistadors and the Bolsheviks, it's not going to change. But thinking about the rest of the top tier. Of, uh, uh, let's see. Well, in '88 was Hogan and Savage versus the wasn't Megabox. that versus it was the Mega Powers versus DiBiase, wasn't it? It was the Mega Powers and the Mega Butts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've got that's when Miss Elizabeth took her skirt off and we all lost our minds. Woo-hoo. Yeah, Jesse was referee that night. Um, Bulldogs Rougeau brothers tagged um, in a tag match. Bad News Brown, Ken Patera, Rick Rude, mm-hmm. Junkyard Dog. Powers of Pain and the Bolsheviks. Ultimate Warrior defeated Honky Tonk Man. Dino Bravo, Don Mm. Moran. Demolition uh, defeated the Hart Foundation. Mm. Big Boss Man defeated Coco Beware. Jake Roberts defeated Hercules. And the Mega Powers defeated the Mega Bucks. That was a nice, that was a long card. Right off the bat, you just made me think, if we got the Flair Savage build the classic match we thought it would be with that warrior on honky tonk man i see yeah that 88 SummerSlam just off those two moments alone and don't forget by breaking up that tag match you can then give hogan a match in replace of one of the other ones and you could put you know another big match leading into that main event and I was just about to say, man, the fact we never got to see Million Dollar Man and Hogan 
singles pay-per-view. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and again, you get rid of one of the other matches and put that Hogan match in there. I think you're, I think that's solid gold right there. If I may, because that, um, that would have to be Hogan DiBiase because at this point, Andre was already at a point where he was not as mobile so they would put him in tag matches to not expose how not how um how limited he was. Hmm. What a magic segment this has been so far. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know this is what we love to do. We've been doing this like since before Brett screwed Brett. That's true. That's true. We've played we've played the what if game so many times that they ought to just call it the C two C game. Yeah, I mean they should they should give us a, 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 a network show where we can just sit around at the table and play what if. Help my booking. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that segment of uh, Marvel Comics that always played the what if with the yeah. superheroes and villains with a crossover? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got a few of those. I've still got a few of those. Well, and they're supposed to be bringing a new one on the Disney Plus. They're supposed to bring an animated version of that. Mm. That would it, I, I tell you, looking at all of these different components, whether it's you know Flair and Savage, that match in and of itself is already money. Um, the the different pieces, just looking at the card from '88. You figure they probably, maybe they hold off on the warrior beating the honky tonk man. Maybe um, no, because I, I think that would then directly lead down to within six to eight months the warrior and Flair. Oh wow! But imagine, imagine if Flair came in SummerSlam '88, beat Savage for the world title. All right. And then played those mind games with him and ran that until the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. And then Savage had to go through 29 other men to get a chance at Flair again. You know, the whole classic, either you do it or you're gone. Oh, you talking but, like running the gauntlet? Wow. But, I mean, you imagine the way they could have done the programming back then and kept it going. I mean... You could have had Survivor Series with Team Flair, Team Savage, mm-hmm. you know, and then that would have, and then Flair's team beat Savage's team, and then that just keeps going on, you know. It goes next to the Rumble, but like, you haven't been able to do it, Savage. What's wrong with you? And see, it leads up to WrestleMania, and right about the time Savage is getting ready to get that win, here come Arn and Tully. Yep. And he calls Ooh. Savage the win. Savage goes to the back of the line. And then you start the program with the Warrior. Think about this one. And, and have fun with this one for a moment. How many wrestling fans would have popped, not to mention probably popped a gasket, if you ended up with a Survivor Series match, including Flair, Anderson and Blanchard mm-hmm. as if it's teams of five, they have to be the final three or oh, if they, with DiBiase and Andre. Wow. 
but can you imagine how wrestling purists would have looked at at Flair, Anderson, and Blanchard in a Survivor Series match as the final three? Mm-hmm. That would have been Richter scale proportion, kids, because everybody would sit back and go, "Oh my God, the Horsemen are together in the Fed." Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And and I mean, God, there's there's so much you could have done with the fourth two. That would have just made that quite possibly could counter the Wyndham Horseman one and the Oli Horseman one as being one of the best ever. Imagine Let's, Rick Rude is a four horseman in oh. 1988. Rick Rude, come on, a I'm young Bret Hart. Oh, uh, a Bad News Brown. Uh, and I would have gone Bad News Brown. Let's play what if with the what if. What if Macho and Hogan goes through and it's Flair and Macho that team up and Macho becomes the fourth? Oh. Mm. Ooh, Jesus. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> no room for Paul Roma down the line, I tell you that much. <laughs> oh, not pretty Paul. <laughs> man, I, don't see the, I don't see the honky-tonk man being in the mix. <laughs> no. I, I mean, you could have put perfect in there. Oh, man, you could have yeah, – even even if you saw the genius that is Shawn Michaels, a young Shawn Michaels, and put him in there. There's plenty of combinations. Goosebumps. I got goosebumps. Wow. Let's go back in time and convince Vince to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, that's the crazy thing. So I'm reading this interview segment. This is from um, Flair's interview – with uh it was on the the rock and rager cruise so this was uh fairly recent and he's like i was too happy down in wcw you know i had Oli, i had arn i had tully we were you know we had barry we were selling out everywhere and he had friends but he just didn't have a reason to come at least not back then so it would have been convincing rick Mm. I mean, they were doing hot storylines in Crockett, but man, the right phone call. Like, Ooh. is it a phone call from Hulk Hogan saying, "Brother, we need you," or is it a, a phone? <laughs> Are you kidding me? You know what I mean? It's like, gotta be convinced. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how Again, does at that time? I don't think Hogan and Flair are as close as they claim to be today. Right. Well, they were both the head of each company, so they had they were they had a certain unwritten animosity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and not only that, one knew the other one was probably a hundred times better in the ring than he was. And he ultimately, especially back then, because I think Vince would have pulled the trigger, and Flair would have beaten Hogan in a in a match multiple times and Hogan probably would have had to tap out to the, to the figure four. Hey gentlemen, I just realized something about Survivor Series 1988. Ooh. Harley Race was on the active roster in the bed. Oh jeez. Could Ooh. you imagine Flair and Harley in WWF? Can you imagine Flair, Harley, Arn, and um, Tully? Oh, oh wow. That... Well, there you go. That'd have been awesome. 
<laughs> with Bobby Heen and taking over the J.J. Dillon role. Oh, hell oh, yes. We're talking history. Mm. <laughs> that would have been historic. Well, that would have been epic. No one would be asking for J.J.'s autograph anymore. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Ow. Wow. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming, Rob. <laughs> Hang on a second. Oh God, where's my? Where is it when I need it? There it is. Really? <laughs> yep. So the bad part is, is we're never going to have Coco on the show, thanks to Rob. Now we're <laughs> now never going to have the opportunity for JJ, thanks to Rob. One thing I think, um, I think my final thought on this, unless someone brings up something, would be, I if Ar- if Arn and Tully and Flair are all together in the mix, and you can throw Barry Windham in there too, but knowing that Flair's hesitancy to leave those guys and leave Crockett ultimately led to the reason why he didn't. My personal opinion, I think that they're all over there and they're in that mix and that 88, 89. I don't think any of them ever go back because they don't leave again because they never had to associate with Jim Hurd. If they're all there with Vince, they're working with Savage, DiBiase, Andre Hogan, Warrior, making more money than they could ever dream of without the I'm here, you're there, I miss you, want to go back. If we're all under one umbrella again, I'm just not sure they ever go back. And what would they be going back to? Um, Well, I think the only way they stay is if they have some type of horseman gimmick. And, and they're all yeah. together. Um, I, I think that's ultimately what probably got them back. Was, hey, we want the horsemen again. We need you to come back. You know, we're going to throw money at you. We're going to give you car bunch. We're going to put you back in the spots you were. But the main thing is we need the horsemen. And I think if the WWE says, hey, we're going to let you, we're going to use a horseman or some facsimile of it i don't think they leave yeah there's a lot of power in the in the belief of what they were accomplishing at that time and they were the hottest property i mean they were one of the few factions that had t-shirts they had merch deals they had all these different things going on they weren't always great merch deals but with the wwf machine behind it I have a hard time seeing them ever going back down south because of the fact of Vince just seeing dollar bills. Hey, let's go ahead and take our top of the hour break here over at BeyondRingside.com. When we come back, eh, we'll probably k- still kick the tires on the old uh, Ric Flair 1988 deal here and uh, talk a little bit more about what we've been doing wrestling-wise with our global pandemic. Stick with us right here on Corner to Corner Wrestling Radio BeyondRingside.com and corner, excuse me, C2CRadioShow.com. We'll be right back. Say it again. Right? It's a mouthful. Well, that was very exhilarating. Loved it. Damn good topic. (laughs) That was good radio, gentlemen. Goosebumps. (laughs) I don't know what else we could have covered about the what if. Oh man, we've done so many what ifs. I mean, what do you, what, what what direction will you go? You want to go mid south? You want to go <laughs> Hall of Fame? What do you want to talk about? We got it. 
Oh, as far as that particular subject, we looked at the SummerSlam card, the future of Jim Crockett, Herder acquisition, where these oh, other guys yeah. parlay into the card. That was amazing. Uh, yeah. The what if conversation I've always wanted to have is what if WCW won the Monday Night Wars? Mm. But, I thought we've had that one. We've touched on it. We've Maybe never really we done a deep depth. dive. Yeah, I don't think we've gone like totally in on it. But hey, well, Rob, like one a... of my what ifs is what if they don't beat Goldberg with a stunning taser? Mm. I think we've done that one. We've done Brett. Mm-hmm. Undertaker, we did that a few weeks, what, a month or so ago? Uh, I think what? we've even done Stone Cold before. Yeah. I like the one where we went through the Hall of Fame class yeah, by class. And... That was an exhaustive <laughs> episode, but it was good. <laughs> Damn you, Rob. Some people don't I like, like Rock the Ship, and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Screw Rocket, he's tipping it over. Because I think what were my two? Coco. Rocky Johnson and Coco. <laughs> yeah, the soul man don't get no love from you. Here's a fun one. What if the Royal Rumble was always for the number one contendership at WrestleMania? Your first two winners would have been Big John Studd and Hacksaw Jim Douglas. <laughs> Oof. There's somebody never got his due. It's Big John Studd. He never got his chance. Nope. Neither did Akeem. The African Dream. <laughs> the one man band, one man gang. Meeting him in Charlotte this past year, he was one of my favorite people they've ever had in Charlotte. That guy is amazing. Who? One man gang? Yes. Why did yeah, they I'll... change him from one man gang to Akeem? Something because was bit. Because Vince just can't help himself. He wants something that's going to be marketable in a different way. And he had to put oh, him gentlemen, with that's Slim. Have you seen the lineup for the gathering this year, tentatively scheduled to take place August 13th through the 16th? No. I didn't even know there was one scheduled. Um, I told Eddie this because when I went last year, the, the T-Mart guy had a comment card. Mm-hmm. And I know Greg Price ran it from 2004 to 15. I started going in 2010. And they were like, who do you want to see? And I was thinking, who's someone that's never been to Charlotte? It's almost like they looked at my comment card. I'm not taking full credit for this, but it blew me away. You have Colonel De Beers. You have Billy Jack Haynes. You have Steve Kern. You have Steve Simpson. And you have Kevin Von Erich making his first Fan Fest appearance ever. Oh, cool. Sounds like a road trip. I'd like to meet Colonel De Beers and the Von Erich. Bon Eric. The Bushwhackers are going to be Steve Simpson, I was like, wow. Yes, both Bushwhackers, because we'd never see Butch. And Billy Jack Haynes. Whatever happened to Warlord Jonathan Boyd? Speaking of the sheep herders. Uh, I don't know who Jack Victory was there last year. And John Tatum and Missy Hyatt be in the same room, <laughs> or is that still for is that still for Boaten? <laughs> oh wow! Well, I I saw a tweet where uh, um, the people behind WrestleCon basically lost their ass for doing all the refunds. Oh no, that oh, got gosh. settled. That got settled. 
No, not from the hotel. I'm talking about the the refunds they gave gave back out to all those their customers. Oh yeah, that's losing one's ass. But at least the hotel thing worked out. Yeah, I was pissed. Well, it got national traction. I mean, we're talking Jericho, people from WWF. Excuse me, WWE. All this talk about old school WWF. Going back in time. Um, when we come back, do you want to do the split intro? Uh, sure, sure. Fusions. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's what this entire week is going to be. Episode fusions. <laughs> like transfusions? Because that could be dangerous. Hey, worlds collide. You never know. Like Power Man 5000? Good band. Underrated. Supernova goes pop. When does Vader show up in WCW? 90? Late 90? Yeah, late 90, I think. Mm. <laughs> See, I'm still thinking. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, back in 30. Actually, I lied. No. Oh, for okay. now. <laughs> Hello there. For 30 seconds. <laughs> We've been live. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Switching headsets. That's what I heard about you. And the back in five, four, three. Hey, look at that. We're back live right here at BeyondRingside.com and C2CRadioShow.com. It is Fusion Week here at Beyond Ringside's radio network. We're beyond ringside, the shooters gallery, and uh, 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 back to basics meets corner to corner. I almost forgot the two stages. Shooters gallery meets corner to corner. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just throwing them all together. I mean, we don't have Mabo, but that's okay. That'd be beyond ringside live. But that's what I was trying to say. It's okay because Beyond Ringside Live meets the To Be Determined show this Tuesday night, 8.30 Central, 9.30 Eastern Time. Me, Mabo, Mark Bowman, along with the Oracle of Ominous, the Wicked Nemesis, and Josh O'Hagan from To Be Determined. Yeah, what he said. Kaboom. (laughs) The quarantined versions of Beyond Ringside program. Hey, we were practicing social distancing long before it was fashionable. No, that's just people doesn't don't want to be around us. That's not social. I don't think you understand do, how that works. Do me one favor. I'll I'd, have you know, I washed my hands and kept toilet paper in stock long before it became a <laughs> Hey, look, I'm so bad. I go to the bath. I'm I mean, excuse me. I wash my hands before I go to the bathroom, much less after. Um. I am a germaphobe. Your hands? What? (laughs) I I wash my hands before I go to the bathroom. What's encased in the pants? I know where it's been. I don't know where I've been touching. Hands have been. That was my Mark Maybowen tribute right there because that's something he would have said. Um, Now, in all sincerity, there is something I'd like to throw in, and I do believe I echo the sentiment of everybody here. For everybody listening tonight, whether it's live or or live or the recorded version or archive, whatever you want to call it. Um, first off, thank you for supporting corner to corner. Thank you for supporting beyond ringside and the shooters gallery. Um, and in that same vein, 
to those who have been struggling to, over the last week, especially who have finally been able to make the acclamation to our new circumstance about getting new content out and for everybody to enjoy. I mean, to those on Sirius XM who have been fighting through this to, to tape and then be able to start doing more live stuff, my hat's off to you. To other live shows that have been forced to go into taping mode or have finally figured out, hey, we can actually do this another way and get it live out there to the fans, my hat's off to you. Because it's been a fight for a lot of shows um, to be able to... I, I'm just going to go ahead and mention one right off the top, uh, two right off the top of my head. The Luke Thomas show on um, Fight Nation, as well as Busted Open. Uh, when this thing first started really cracking down about um, non-essential people, you know, businesses being closed and people being on social um, distancing and limiting gatherings to a certain number of people, you know, they were hit hard quick. And then they finally started to, or they were able to record an hour upload it to their servers and then they found out there are new ways to start doing live content so my hat's off to them but you know it's been a road and it's hard to believe that it's really just been two weeks domestically here in the lower 48 where things have just ramped up and escalated so fast and this is where i i go not necessarily as the owner of the station beyond ringside sports radio not as a host or a co-host or producer, just me as me. And I think I speak for all the guys. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to entertain you and to hopefully take your mind off of things for a little while to give you that little bit of escape to where you can just sit back and maybe smile, maybe laugh, maybe think. And for you to allow us to do that for you, we are very humbled and very appreciative. Stan? Yeah, it's been a uh, a trying couple of weeks. There's a lot of things happening right now that we're still just learning about uh, how to, not just how to cope, but how to continue and move forward and start making some progress. We know that there's a lot of people out there right now that uh, just from a small business standpoint and from an overall life standpoint are trying to figure out just what tomorrow looks like, much less three weeks from now. Um, but we definitely appreciate it. We, we here at Corner to Corner have always prided ourselves of being a, a fan show for fans by fans. That's just what we are and what we're about. And There's a lot of wrestling fans right now around the world, uh, including our favorite country that there is in China. <clears throat> but, uh, <laughs> you know, all of these folks that are uh, wanting to see wrestling and wanting to talk about what they love and, and just get past some of the... Uh, the doom and gloom of what is the news right now. And uh, we're glad and grateful to be able to bring that to you. Ryan, Rob, you have anything uh, to add to that? No. All I would say is stay you know, the course and we will get through this. <laughs> Go ahead, Rob. I said just, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Stay the course. We'll get through this. Yeah, it's... Uh, crazy to even imagine just any of this it's just unreal and since we're going around the horn shane uh same um we appreciate you guys allowing us to be an outlet to entertain you and take away maybe a, hopefully a diversion for a little bit uh something i wanted to ask because i'll use the term out of eddie's uh book here we are in a multiple location station if everyone wanted to take a moment and go around and describe, you know, 
what it is per se in your neck of the woods with local, state, government regulations, you know, how the shopping situations are at the stores, what's on lockdown, any, uh, you know, I think there's probably different varieties for everyone. Guys? Well, Rob, Brian, you guys are in Culpeper. What's it like in your, your neck of the woods? I mean, you're seeing the people heeding the warnings and stuff and not people not going out as much. The stores stores are starting to come back to normal per se. I mean, there's still a lot of things in stores that are not out, like that are not shelved or in. But for the most part, I think people are heeding the warnings and they're not staying outside. They're they're kind of working from home and and doing that kind of thing. That's what I see anyway. Brian? No, uh, I mean, I, I don't really got much to say. I'm sitting at home and letting the world go by. <laughs> yeah, it's um, we're in Virginia here, and Rob and Brian are – in one one town, I'm in a, a town slightly north, a little bit closer to D.C. There really isn't a lot of change with what they've described. Although I will say there's a lot of idiots that are still going about there, you know, trying to be goof-offs in the middle of Walmart and all this stuff. At a time where people desperately need to pay attention to, you know, it sounds silly, but social dis- distancing, people are still screwing off and, and we're seeing numbers grow because of it because they're all getting each other sick but here's the thing you got to be able to get through and and persevere and and i wish that we were seeing that more of on a global scale but it just seems like there's still people out there buying up all the toilet paper like what the hell jerks now do me do me a favor let me ask this one since y'all have major tourist destinations up that way on the coast kind of like we have uh gulf shores and orange beach as well as the redneck riviera pcb fort walton beach i'm down in florida on the panhandle um lo and behold i have to ask the question um with spring break and everything else occurring do you still have a whole bunch of people headed for like virginia beach and all the other coastal communities uh, we're nowhere near Virginia Beach. Yeah. Um, well, no, I'm me sure. And Rob are about two hours. It stands probably what an hour and a half. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's probably somewhere in there. Yeah. So we we do we have access to it? I believe it's still open, but you know the state has pretty well recommended. What what is it, Brian? Isn't it no gatherings of uh, more than ten people for the state? 10, yeah. Yeah. Virginia doesn't have a lockdown yet, but I'm sure it's coming. Mm-hmm. Well, see, the reason why I ask is, like, I'm three hours away from Mobile and Gulf Shores and Orange Beach and straight down Interstate 65, but we still get, you know, reports up this way via local news about people doing – about congregating teenagers and college kids on the beach and why they shouldn't be doing it. But lo and behold, I, that's why I figured that I didn't know if your local news would be carrying stuff like that about your coastal communities um, as well. Mm, no, I, it, the only thing that I've seen as far as beaches is Florida. Dick <clears throat> um, My in-laws are down in uh, Myrtle Beach. And, I mean, there's not a lot going on down there. Uh, but I wouldn't know. I haven't heard anything about Virginia. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's been any real coverage uh, for DC news and Northern Virginia news per the beach, except for what's happened in Florida with the spring break, spring breakers. Here in uh, Central Alabama, where I am, I'm just um, one county south of Birmingham, and directly adjacent to the metropolitan area. Um, we've been going through so many different things because our city says one thing, county says another, and the state says something else. And for those who have been paying attention, uh, which has been a lot of people, I mean, it's funny for me driving around or heading from one county up to this county to do this show and where I'm used to seeing a plethora, a cornucopia of cars. Um, it's ghost town. I mean, in for every 10 cars that there used to be on the road, I'm seeing one. And it's like, wow. And I'm still looking at the different shopping areas that are on my path on the way. I'm like I said, leaving one County going to the next. And yeah, the it's, it's just had me freaked out because I was doing a little bit with Grubhub on Friday and from there, the shopping center where the Buffalo Wild Wings that I always host karaoke, and I say always, um, that I have for the last 13 years. Think about this. I've missed, I went back and looked. With the exception of this one, I've missed eight Friday nights in 13 years. So that's been my home. <laughs> and I, I couldn't go home Friday night. But um, to see that entire shopping shopping center, it's, it's on two sides of, of the main thoroughfare coming through. And it's just been predominantly a ghost town, except for restaurants doing carry out and um, delivery, except for the evil empire being open. And that even that parking lot has diminished capacity. I mean, it's like there's not nearly as many cars in that parking lot as there normally are. It's like it's just still striking me. It's kind of like um, I don't want to say the walking dead or the day after tomorrow or something like that. It's just like, People are starting to take this seriously finally, and I just hope that more people take it seriously more fat, a little bit more quickly than they are. But Shane, you're directly adjacent Alabama and Georgia are both your backyard. Yeah, and the situation, I think, like you spoke of, Eddie, the beaches were open up until a couple of days ago, and everyone is lambasting the youngins for doing this and I'm with it. But I also think at the same time, if I was 17, 18, 19 years old and I was a high school senior or in college, maybe I would have had that mindset that I wouldn't have at 40, that, you know, I'm going to enjoy my time, which is, you know, sounds awful, but, you know, think back to when you were a teenager, I'm just amazed that everything got shut down from bowling alleys to movie theaters to everything else. And no one thought to close the beaches. Um, as far as today in Carrollton, Georgia, uh, you know, Stan spoke of the, the idiots. Well, we just had one uh, Friday night. Apparently, there was a party at a bar, and um, 11 cases came out of this one gathering oh, of over 40, 50 people. And so now, as of today, an emergency meeting about 1 p.m. Eastern time, uh, all of Carroll County, especially Carrollton, is pretty much on lockdown. That uh, Even the restaurants are no longer doing takeout. Oh, which God. they were doing. Forget the dine-in. Uh, yeah, so I think it's, as far as like in the Carroll County area as of now, uh, because of these 11 cases, also Tanner Hospital had nine as of Thursday. So we know there's at least 20 
in this little uh, in this region for sure. And that's the thing: who knows who's what carrying without being tested? If you're not showing symptoms, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just the convenience stores uh, and your WalMarts, Publix, and Kroger's even more limited hours now. <clears throat> and um, you know, as Stan said, who knows what tomorrow's going to bring? I, I know on Shooter's Gallery when we first talked about it, Eddie, Phil, and I two weeks ago. And it was just at the initial stages. I said, I can't imagine with what's happened in the last 48 hours of sporting events and concerts going to no fans, to postponing, canceling altogether, what kind of world we're going to wake up to after that weekend, 72 hours. And here we are one week later. Uh, who knows, say, uh, by Wednesday, you know, when, when you wake up, what's going to happen? But uh, I do hope this is giving a chance for people to maybe bond with their spouse with their kids to read to maybe that television show that you know i just never got around to it well now's the time i mean i hope people are using their time wisely for the most part but uh i do fear that you know and, and this is nothing about a political soapbox but i do fear that the longer this goes on i don't think it's right by any means but are we going to see i hope not the worst in people that if i can't pay my bills or i'm not getting work then you know it's going to become a little bit of a purge situation where crime and theft start to go up because as people those survival carnal instincts i'm afraid we're going to see some of that certainly hope not but it wouldn't surprise me well i think we sit as a as a country a lot better than other countries did before you know because it took so long to come here um that i think we when we put in the in, the restrictions and stuff, like, of course, there's going to be people that don't listen to them. But for the most part, people are seeing what it's doing on a global scale. And so they're like, oh, I don't want that here. And I think we're taking, as a country, we're taking precautions more seriously than, let's say, other countries did when it was at the peak. You know, and we haven't hit our peak yet. And, of course, we're going to hit our peak. And... You know, you got the people that freak out every day because the number goes up. And I'm like, well, of course the number's going up because we have more testing going on. More right. people are finding out that they have it. Um, There's a number going to go up. It's just, you know, that we've closed the beaches or, or like our local community. All the parks are closed. Like the parks are open, but all the pavilions are closed. All the p- playground equipment's closed. Um, most of the restaurants are all doing takeout now. Um you know, and I will tell you that our local Chick-fil-A, like they went from dominating to dominating again because they dominated the two the two line drive through. Now they can't they don't have a yeah. dining dining room. They're like, yep. come on, guys, we got this. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like you said, I think it's also a ch- like somebody saw I saw some today my wife posted it was like. This is Mother Earth telling everybody to go to their room and think about it for a minute. Bingo. I agree. (laughs) You know, like, um, and you're going to have that problem. People people aren't used to being told they can't do things. And when you look at that younger generation of the beachgoers and stuff, those are the kids that never got told no. Mm -hmm. So now they're being told they can't do what? Wait, what? Huh? No. What? You can't and tell me no. It's YOLO so, time. <laughs> I mean, I think we're not going to get, I hope, I would like to say we're not going to get as bad as other countries, but P- 
people got to look, oh, well, we're going to be a bit worse than Italy. Well, Italy's the size of New Jersey. Of course, yeah. they're going to be worse than Italy, you know? Um, but I hope in a Here's month or so question. we're sitting here going, you know what? That was that was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Has, has anyone let the Amish know what's going on yet? Well, I haven't seen Zebekiah in like a few years, so I don't know. Well, our Amish store stayed open. I just went there the other day to get cheese and meat. <laughs> I wonder what the Indian-owned um, casinos are doing right now. Winning. <laughs> Excuse me. The, the, the casinos owned by Native Americans. I apologize. Let me clarify myself before somebody goes, that was a bad comment. And by the uh, way, for the, uh, um, Rob, I think, was the one who just brought up one of my favorite topics a minute ago. This would have been the perfect meme for me to do had I been able to sit down for five minutes and actually do it. Make it a four-parter. Um, travel restrictions imposed on people coming in from China. Yeah, no big deal. NBA shuts down season. Eh, no big deal. Businesses, um, did, um, uh, people, number of people sick in um, Seattle, Washington, top or Seattle tops this many. Yeah, Chick Fil A goes drive-through only and shuts down the dining room. Oh, it's just got real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't get extra Polynesian sauce. <laughs> Limit two per customer. We we're we're dealing with an unprecedented time as a people and as a, a, a global situation as a world. Um, and you look at all of these things, these things that are now going on without fans, empty arenas, without you know a season, XFL, NFL. Well, NFL hasn't announced any kind of holdup yet, but I think it's forthcoming, depending. NBA is done. NHL is done for now. XFL done. WWE, WrestleMania, without an audience. Think about that. WrestleMania with no crowd. What about AEW? Yeah, AEW goes to a no crowd. Eh, sort of. They do dynamite with the wrestlers in the crowd being your audience, giving the energy. And let me just point out, AEW, and, and Brian, you said it first in the chat, AEW has mastered how to present that kind of program. They did it, yep. and they mastered it because it created an energy and an ambiance that completely carried the show. Well, well, AEW was... out and through WWE programming for the first time live attendance as of Wednesday. Two to one, 997 to 468. He, he was talking about live attendance. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Uh, were they I'm paid? Sorry. Were they paid or were they papered? <laughs> this might have been that uh, TNA theme park in Orlando. Ah, <laughs> uh, AEW just think... comping tickets. <laughs> <clears throat> Okay, who do you think won more that night? Uh, MJF or Sean Spears? Ooh. Oh, MJF. What was the going bet for that? What was their actual bet? A hundred for something. I don't know. Huh. Now, right. let me bounce this one off of y'all because I know we're going to hit this in a second, but um, aside from pro wrestling and MMA, because remember they did have the show in Brasilia um, a week ago. What other sports could actually be held in this current circumstance without posing a major health risk or spread 
risk. I kind of brought this one out on Thursday night, but um, Rob, Brian, Stan, I wanted to get y'all in on this one. I've got a list of eight right here. And I want to see if y'all come up with the same ones that I came up with or that we came up with on Thursday night. Gentlemen. So let me, let me have you repeat that question. These are events that could take place without. Yeah. What type of sporting events could take place without a serious health scare in place? I could see baseball. I can go with that. There is social distancing in baseball. <laughs> yeah, there's. And it's more than six feet. Tonight, mm. 45 to 90. Curling. I don't know. <laughs> curling. I don't, okay. That was one that got brought up. I've remember, already, you do have the I've already, I've already practiced curling with my broom and my Roomba. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I saw the I saw the NASCAR iRace today, and I thought that was a pretty neat way to do it. See, realistically speaking, NASCAR could hold an event. They Even could if, if it wasn't for all the safety workers and stuff that. Yeah, pit road would cause a problem. Uh, well, diving. Didn't think of that. Di- well, water. No, not all water, just a few of them. Well, who you couldn't do synchronized swimming. Well, you, okay, so on the diving side, you'd have some diving into water and others diving into a pool with no water. Okay, that works. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Well, he didn't say not all of them. One's a sport; the other one is just a means to an end. No, the other one is, yeah, no, I mean, you could have you could have concerts going on with no crowd. I mean, they, well, they did. Uh, didn't Dropkick uh, Murphy put on one? Mm-hmm. They did. They did. Garth Brooks and uh, Trisha Yearwood are going to be streaming a live Tomorrow performance. Night. Yep, they're and they're going to take fan um, fan requests. Yeah, yeah. I posted that. Oh. Thanks, Garth Eddie. Brooks fan over here. <laughs> uh, skiing, you could do skiing. True. Snowboarding. Yep. Skateboarding. Cross country, if you had a fast guy. <laughs> Monster trucks. There you go. Uh, kind of. Billy, billiards. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Um. You could do some table tennis. I was thinking well, table yeah, tennis. Y'all shot me down on table. Oh, that's right, Shane. You'd already left by that point. I got shot down on table tennis. I declare. <laughs> Darts. That was one of mine. Uh, bowling. Madden. John Madden football. No, <laughs> that's, not, that's not a sport. Well, actually, esports. I mean, e-sports? Yeah, that would be esports. Yeah, <laughs> and the good thing is, our high schools it. have an esports team. Yeah, you could do it in different locations and still be able to pull it off. Bowling has that one been said? Yeah, I said bowling. The ultimate uh, deletion. The what? The ultimate deletion. Cornhole series of poker. <sighs> Uh, they sit too close to each other. You can have a table of eight unless you made the table the size of a, um something bigger. <laughs> what the My hell? brain just went out. Sorry. He's <laughs> like something bigger. All right. Yeah, really. Yeah, but the, the original list that I had was tennis, billiards, bowling, archery, curling, NASCAR, table tennis, and darts. Uh, you could do uh, any type of uh, dog racing. The Iditarod did run. What? 
Uh, no, the Iditarod actually did run, and it was just completed this past Thursday. Uh, Thomas Warner actually um, finished it in nine days, uh, 14 hours. It's too cold up there. A lot of social uh, distancing and that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Some guy at 10 dogs. Yeah, we actually covered that on gallery because Ted Guinness, we actually sent him up to cover it. Wow. And he had to, he was riding a four-wheel unicycle trying to get back to do the show in time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, <laughs> that dog won't hunt. Thank you, Goldberg. <clears throat> yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so, okay, let's let's get back into wrestling. We've been silly. We've been kind of crazy. Let's let's go to wrestling here for a second. Um, I think we would all agree that WWE has completely dropped the ball with their presentations with Empty Arena. They opted to go for recaps, replaying the Royal Rumble, replaying the Elimination Chamber, and not allowing their wrestlers to perform. The ru- the rumor is they're doing this in an effort to, quote-unquote, protect their performers. So, eh, give it what you want. I mean, to me, I didn't like it. AEW, on the other hand, uh, with this past week's Dynamite, had storyline progression, Matches throughout the entirety of the show. Uh, some stretched out promos, which actually turned out really, really good, especially Cody's to open the show. Um, yep. Triple H, to me, comes off very uh, sincere with his promos in most times. However, however, with this past week, starting last Friday into this week, um, while his commentary was very entertaining and funny, um, to me, it just seems more like Vince McMahon saying, hey, we're in the business of making people smile. We're putting smiles on faces. It just seems dis- disingenuous. Um, so while I, I can appreciate that they're trying to entertain, and I do appreciate what they do, um, I just didn't feel the vibe of like, wow, they're doing something for us, the fans. It just felt like they're doing something so they can make sure they draw a buy rate or a rating. I think it's just hit them, it hit them in the middle where they're used to being on – autopilot till WrestleMania mm-hmm. and they don't have to think of anything. And then all of a sudden now they're like, Oh crap, we got to think of something because now we don't have a crowd. And I thought it was funny when they came out and hammed it up to the crowd, you know, when Nikki cross comes out and Sasha Banks comes out and hamming up to the crowd and one, uh, there's no crowd there people. Well, yeah, that was where Triple and H even H the fact shines. Triple H yeah. is like, look at her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, she really is crazy. She's working no fans <laughs> but I do agree that the WWE had a chance and with replaying the Royal Rumble with replaying Elimination Chamber it left something to be desired mm-hmm. that you have an audio you have I mean you have a television studio at your beck and call right 90% of your roster lives within a drive of the building I mean hell you could have done something with half the people behind you that were working out in the gym you know, so. Well, I I think what they should have done <clears throat> is just told us. So we're suspending storylines till further notice. Mm-hmm. But we're just going to put on matches. And we're going to put on matches that you never thought you'd see. And we're just going to entertain you. Well, going on what Brian said, you could do a fan vote. Who do you want to see fight next week? Right. You know, what are some dream matches? And you bring them in. 
I, I, I felt like this would have been an opportunity to to do like, hey, let's do a live feed of Twitter from our WWE universe while the show goes on. And if they don't like what they're seeing, we'll do something else the following week. Like this could have given them a chance to get a real read of their audience and then really make a change going forward. But of course, yes, but remember their audience are not thought to know anything about the wrestling business. That's one of Vince's problems. He could give a poop what you think. Mm-hmm. Well, and and this is just one of those examples where, to me, it was let's push out a show, not let's entertain the fans. Like, it really felt like let's just push out a show. Let's just put something out. Mm. And I wonder if they were caught with how many wrestlers were actually in the area. You know, before the travel thing all came in, like, you know, how many are nearby that we can use mm-hmm. Yeah, but that I would mean, come in, you know? It's not like they can't travel in the intercontinental United States. I mean, Sasha showed up. She lives in California, doesn't she? I have no idea where she lives. I'm pretty sure that's where she lives. Or at least at one time, I think she did. Well, I mean, even Edge. Edge drove 17 hours just to get there because he couldn't get on a plane. Yeah, but Edge is a different Canadian. Yeah. kind of animal. That's true Edge also. Edge is what we need more of. Because mm-hmm. then you see the ones that weren't there, and then they're posting on Instagram and Twitter and all these, like, oh, look at me, I'm at home, I can't get to the gym. Well, dumbass, if you'd have gone to the Performance Center for Raw, you'd have been there at the gym. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, and and I'm sure you would have drawn a paycheck, right, Braun Strowman? Because you're not there, you're not drawing any paychecks from the WWE this time. Well, I mean, he's got his Kia Soul. You know, it's his Kia. He he risked yeah. it all. He got out of the Mister Strongman competitions or whatever. Uh, so why what did did the WWE's PR department take the week off or something? Oh, they're all working from home, so they probably didn't even see it. Um, we're, we're, what we're what we're talking about here, Braun Strowman uh, became the subject of lots of negativity this week because a tweet goes out by Evil Uno, Evil Uno of the Dark Order, or this was actually Instagram post, sorry, and tweet actually it was both, uh, where he mm-hmm. basically says, "Hey, listen, with everybody canceling, with all of these events out, now is a better time than any other time to support." It broke wrestling. up. You got me? I can't hear you. Anybody? I hear you. All right. So now is a better time than any to support independent wrestling. He's not saying give me money. He's not saying give my friends money. He's just saying support indie wrestling and your indie wrestlers. That's all he says. And so, not, just, not just wrestlers. Yeah. Musicians. Mm-hmm. Artists. People that rely on your business, much like he does mm-hmm. on a smaller scale. Support them in some way. Right. So Braun decides, ah, you know, here's another guy. Here's another guy who's asking for a handout. Whatever happened to the guys that, you know, went out there and just worked hard and got it. You know, like he's he's trying to talk like it's a moment where somebody's asking for a, a GoFundMe, you know, and it's not. It's, it's literally... The world right now is literally on hold. 
And here's a guy who works in the independent, excuse me, the entertainment business and literally talking to the world saying, hey, listen, we live in a world that is uncertain right now. You've got a gig economy right now that is struggling. Now's a great time to support and just like Brian said, entertainers, musicians, artists, wrestlers, the whole nine. And Braun Strowman's like, this is, you know, here's an example of somebody wanting money. Like, what? Like, he, he says, here's the quote. Here we go with more of the somebody pay my bills stuff. If you can't afford to pay your bills, maybe you should change professions. That's why I quit Strongman. I loved it, but I couldn't afford to live. So instead of making a GoFundMe or a Patreon... I took everything I owned, a Kia Soul and $150 to my name, and that's what he did. Hey, no disrespect to Braun Strowman for making a success of himself. Hey, congratulations. Here's your... There you go, buddy. There's your applause. Outside of that, what a dick. What a complete dick move. Oh, yeah, but there, there's there's more. And I don't know if I can get to it. So, But he not only continues that little rant about, you know, being in the key of soul mm-hmm. and only had $150 to his name when he moved down to Florida. Well, granted, you probably only had $150 to your name, but I bet you you had that contract in your back pocket. I'm pretty positive you had that WWE contract already before you just moved down there. But anyway, he then insults fans. He insults Lance Archer. I mean, the whole, I mean, he just like literally loses his mind. And then tries to recover by telling us, oh, I'm out there helping the community. I'm delivering stuff. Well, no, you're insulting everybody in America who can't go to work is what you're doing. And that's a like Stan said, a dick move. It really is. And then he goes off and, and does the what I call the the Ryback syndrome. Well, he starts calling fans marks. Nothing pisses me off more in professional wrestling than when a wrestler goes off and just starts calling people marks because they don't like what they do. And let's be clear, I'm not talking about MJF insulting fans. That's MJF. That's what MJF does. That's how MJF gets over fine. I'm cool with that because I know what he's doing. This is a case where somebody openly disagrees with his personal not in character stance and says, hey, you know, we're in a tough time right now. Why would you say something like this? And he pisses him off and blows him off his marks. Okay, what did you just accomplish? And oh, by the way, here we are at March 22nd and it's still, this was let's see, this was done on the day that they started telling everyone basically to go home. Like, what was this, uh, this past Monday or Tuesday? Yeah, yeah, might be about right. So we're a week in, and no kind of drawback, no kind of, in my opinion, deserved punishment to Braun Strowman at this point. Was well, there's that... not going to be. You don't think so? Not at I all? I mean, much, no, much like the rest of I mean, look at, you know, Baron Corbin, how he likes to fly off at the mouth. And mm-hmm. Orton's done it a time or two. And, um, you know, whereas maybe I may listen to Orton and take it from Orton, the other two haven't done anything. <laughs> I mean, 
literally, what have you done? How'd you break your teeth? Well, I drove down in my Kia Soul to the Performance Center, $150 in my pocket and a contract in my back pocket. That's how you cut your teeth. And then again, anytime somebody calls you out on the carpet, all you can do is insult them. Mm-hmm. Now, you're in a worldwide pandemic, and this guy is telling you, go find a better job. Really, Ron? Really? I'd like to see your strongman gimmick go over now when there wouldn't be no circuses. What are you going to do? Huh? Uh, he's... In a, in a time where people right now, literally, looking outside are like, is this the day where shit goes south? Pardon my language. You know, I mean, we were talking about it at the top of the hour when we started off. Just some of the craziness we've witnessed. So I'm in line at Walmart, and this is completely off topic, but I'm in line at Walmart. This guy in front of me has got 200 shotgun rounds he's buying. Look, the guy might just be a complete gun enthusiast. Maybe he's out of ammo. Whatever. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this guy. But in the moment, I'm like, what the hell? Like, it made me nervous for a second. I'm like, is, is, are we close to this? Like, so there's people literally thinking that and, and going further. Because, of course, you know, I got my bearings. I'm like, all right, well, it's whatever. I'm just going to keep my head down, keep moving. But there are people right now holding on with a very slim grasp and don't have a job, don't have income coming in, don't have what Braun is talking about. So for him to say that, it's just like, dude, it's beyond insensitive. Insensitive is like, well, I hope you don't get corona. It's not really a joke you make right now, right? Insensitive would be, oh, I'm sorry, you're not having a whole, you know, you're not making a lot of money. No, this is just like, no, I'm just going to basically take a crap on your whole thing because, hey, I made it. I made it big. Everybody should just do what I did. But it doesn't happen like that for everybody. No, well, it's the it's that WWE attitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them literally forget while they're there where they come from, and this is clearly that case mm-hmm. because he even goes out and says, "I was a strong man, I loved it, but I, I wasn't making no money." So I think you see that a strong man to making six figures because you're not making less than six; you're making six. Probably getting close to seven, although your biggest claim to fame is holding the title for a week. Yeah. Yeah, you deserve it, Ron. Good job. You're going to go down in the annals of history as one of the best ever. <laughs> yeah, some guy rebooted. <laughs> What's going um, on? Well, I mean, I was going to say, you see it across all platforms of everything. People that are threatened about the people under them or the people that are coming, the people that aren't secure in their position are the ones who lash out quickly at any kind of criticism or comments or anything other than the way they've always done it. You know, the way this has always been done, this is the way it should be done. This is the way I did it. F what you think and what you say and you're stupid. You know, we've all dealt with people like that in all professions. And Braun's no different than anybody we've ever dealt with, you know. His time will come, and his day will come and pass. And, you know, and that's the one thing about the the machine is there are many people in the wings waiting to fill that spot when the WWE gets tired of him and sends him back in. You know? So it's just, 
people in that spot, sometimes they lose sight of where they are and how they got there, especially if they didn't go there the conventional way. And that, you know, eventually the only reason the WWE doesn't do anything about it or if they don't is because they still have plans for him. If they didn't have plans for him anymore, i.e. Ryback, they'd say, go home and think about your dumbness. Well, you, you almost wonder where is the leadership in that locker room? Mm-hmm. I don't think there is leadership in the locker room anymore. Because you don't have anybody that's bought in for the for the company and for the product. Everybody's there for the check. And because they know, hey, as long as I sit here, I got it. You know, you see that in other places. You see that in other wrestling groups where the people you could just tell certain talent is bought in and certain talent are there just because it's a booking. Mm-hmm. You know? And right now, there's people in the WWE that are like, you know what? I'm going to sit here and ride this cash cow until it's not here anymore. Shane, where I'm do you stand on what this? Fox would say. I am also. What do the executives think about something like this in the middle of a global pan- pandemic? Um, my thoughts would be Braun Strowman says he did not grow up a wrestling fan. I think if he had grown up a wrestling fan, he would have a different take. Also, Braun Strowman did not work National Guard armories, community centers, high school gymnasiums, whatnot, on that grassroots level. would probably have a different take rather than being hot-shotted into the WWE uh, as he was and having this, you know, turn-my-nose-up mentality at people. But, yeah, um, that's my thoughts. It's a terrible PR look right now. I mean, I think we're trying to tell people – as we spoke about a certain generation, you can't do things like go to the beach and we're, we're fighting that off. I think we've also become so accustomed to, I've got my take and here's what I think. And, you know, before you hit send on any kind of tweet or post, think about the ramifications, take the temperature of the room. Is this a good look? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, Right now is just such an uncertain time. And with too much happening all at the same time right now, we've got companies that are trying to, you know, force their situation. You look at a company like GameStop, they're like, you know what, screw it, we're going to stay open. We're essential personnel. Not that I don't need my video games, because I definitely do. We all do. But I'm uh, I'm not in a hurry to go to a GameStop. Actually, I'll go to Walmart before I go to GameStop. If we're being honest, I'm good without a GameStop. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And, you know, to to put it properly, this whole situation has been one of just utter insanity. And my hope is that as things continue, kind of like Rob said, in a few few weeks or a few months, depending on how long this takes, we're able to look back and go, man. We were, <laughs> we were really close, but we sure made it out. Thank God. You know what I mean? It's just the, the ability to be able to look at that is huge. So, um, in the same vein, I wanted to bring up AEW postponing Blood and Guts. So, AEW's version of War Games, The Match Beyond scheduled to be a five-on-five, pretty much the exact same way that War Games has been done. However, 
with the recent events, with the buildup of the concerns about gatherings of 10 or more people being basically banned, uh, for lack of a better term, AEW Tony Khan has announced that they will postpone Blood and Guts. They did not cancel it. They postponed it. They're going to set it up to take place at a later time. Well, on Twitter, as you can imagine, we get some of the saddest, stupidest commentary that I've ever seen. And here's one. Uh, I can't get into it. My disappointment is too high that Blood and Guts has been canceled. AEW needs to come straight out and explain why Blood and Guts is not happening. You spend the whole Dynamite building for it just to cancel it on Thursday. Makes no sense. Not sense. He doesn't write sense. He writes since. S-I-N-C-E. That's the caliber of the person that tweeted that. But they don't owe us anything. None of these companies. WWE, AEW, none of them. They don't owe us jack squat. But they've done it. Granted, we have our, our, our concerns and thoughts on how they've done it in some, some lights. But AEW has been... From, from their launch point, the most fan-friendly that they could possibly be. And the most accepting of all types of fans. Autistic, disabled, gay, straight, LGBTQ, um, you know, white, black, race, they don't care. I mean, it, it, they include everyone. So, making a decision like this, you know, couldn't have come lightly. And they never said that they were canceling. They simply said it was not going to take place at this time. Brian, do you feel like as because you are of of all of us, you are probably the most devout AEW fan that of the group. Do you feel like AEW owes you something for canceling this? Or excuse me, postponing it? It's not about owing right. me anything. And I think that's where the, that's where you have your little misconception. Right. So, I mean, I think it's safe to say that everybody needs something to grab on to to take us through the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. Right. So whether it's video games, comics or wrestling or Chicago PD, you know, whatever. Right. We just need to be able to turn off that news and put out their iPads and get off of Yahoo and Facebook and all that stuff where all this information is just hitting you like a ton of bricks. And you want to focus on blood and guts. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not disappointed, especially after last week's Dynamite, right? I'm not going to say I'm not because that would have been a great way to bust up the middle of the week. Mm -hmm. But I understand. And I'm not vocal about my issues on social media. Lord knows I'd probably be booted off of every last stinking one on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. I'd probably get on TikTok, get thrown off TikTok, you know, if I vocalize my disappointment all the time. Because I would have loved to have gone round and round with Braun for a while and Baron Corbin and any number of them, right? So, but I, I think you just have to you have to figure some people, you know. Again, that's what that's what this guy was looking forward to, and now he's 
is just another disappointment in what he's already, you know, quite possibly being the worst time that he can imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you got people that are being quarantined that have never been quarantined before. You know, you've been, there are some states you're not allowed to go outside. You know, you're supposed to stay in your house unless you have to go to certain places for certain reasons. And some people is just going to take them longer to figure out how to cope. I mean, we, some of us have been through something similar after 9-11. Mm-hmm. Remember the week after 9-11? Yep. There were no planes. They didn't want you out. You know, especially the first few days. They didn't know what was going on. Nobody knew what was going on. So they wanted you to stay in. Mm-hmm. And we've been through that. So, but... You know, there's a that middle generation between the kids that are, you know, are are okay to be isolated, and us that have, you know, I've touched on it before. There's that middle generation, the millennials, the tail end of what uh, Gen Z or whatever it is. They're scared, and you know, it's the little things like blood and guts, you know, bar the name that, you know will hopefully carry him through. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, and again, so you know as well as I do in the past, the WWE has been that bright light. You know, and it, it shouldn't be no difference with AEW. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not that they owed us. Remember after 9-11, who was the first thing, the first major sporting event on TV? No, oh, it was WWF SmackDown. Right. And he come out and told you. And, but you know as well as I do, after after what happened, and just having nothing upstairs mentally to, to push forward when they said, hey, we're having SmackDown or Raw or whatever it was, it, it, it just kind of shook you away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have, to, you have to remember, some of these people have never been through this. And something like Blood and Guts was exactly what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not that they that any of these companies owe us. It's that in in a way we kind of depend on them to carry us sometimes to the next show. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's probably what why there's a lot of disappointment from a lot of people. Because it's, it's getting to be cool to be a pro wrestling fan again. And, you know, the 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 movement has started. And I think that's all it is, is they're just really disappointed that, you know, there's not going to be war games. Mm-hmm. I mean, much like WrestleMania, even though the card's not all that great, if they cancel WrestleMania, you know yourself, you'd be a little disappointed in it. I'm I'm already disappointed in the fact that it's going to be like empty arenas and and I mean I get it I'm okay with that it's just and it's just not WrestleMania you know like yeah I know what it's supposed to be I know what it looks like I know what it sounds like and <laughs> the idea of you know Drew McIntyre working into uh, Brock Lesnar and there's nobody to go off and pop the uh, so 
Let me proffer this out there, then. Just for WrestleMania, not for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW. Mm-hmm. Nothing else but WrestleMania. Would you feel better if they were to graphically put an audience in there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that would mess with my head. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Look at the graphics when certain people come out. Mm-hmm. You know, like Roman Reigns, and I especially love Brock Lesnar's when the, the graphics is just floating in the air and they turn and the, I mean, it looks like there's three dimensions to it. You know, as well as I do, they could put an audience in there. God, that's creepy. <laughs> just take like would, a digital crowd. Would you crowd. feel better if they did? What What if they took a crowd from like a WrestleMania of years past? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> All they need is a big green screen, and they can put that building anywhere anywhere they want. Put it in the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> you know, if that's what it takes as an audience, and you know they can pipe in sound, they've done it God knows how many times before, you know? Man. They, they can get clips of chanting certain names. They, you know, oh, they got the whole, the whole nine yards. Would you feel better? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I think I'd probably be like, ah, it's still crap. It's CGI. <laughs> I'd be that comic book fan. That's the worst. It's CGI. <laughs> but what if it was? Uh, where were they? What? Uh, where were they last year? New York. Yeah. Uh, what if <laughs> it was like you know they did an outside crowd and you know you couldn't even tell you were in possibly Madison Square Garden or wherever they're gonna. They're going to pull it off this year. I, maybe they could do like the old crowd from like Wembley Stadium <laughs> from SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Have a bunch of old ass signs. Each match they could put you in a different arena. Hey, listen, let I me mean, let me cut in. Be? Let me cut in just one second. I know that uh, BR has come up on our time here for us. Um, Eddie, I know that beyond ringside, you said this week is Fusion Week for you guys. Tell me about what's coming up on the schedule. Actually, I was going to hang a few minutes longer. Oh, okay. Well, I was just trying to <laughs> uh, just trying to respect your time, sir. Just trying to respect your time. Oh no, I appreciate that. I mean, if you want to take a quick bottom of the or top of the hour, that's fine. If you want to uh, plow on through and probably go to the top of the hour and ride, or you know, eleven o'clock Eastern, ten Central, I'm good with that too. Yeah, I could. I, we can do that. I mean, even Eddie's loving the the whole fake crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, what crowd? What do you think? Back in the day, ahead, wasn't man. it? Wasn't it the old NWA programming? They had like two rows of people, and the rest were painted on the wall. Pretty Wait, much. No, Nature they Boy, Putty, they Buddy Lee, they only had two rows. <laughs> they only had two ro- oh, yeah, Crockett. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the uh, yeah, that, Crockett, the Segwit Station. Yeah, yeah they only had yeah. like four rows of seats. Hey, maybe Paul yeah, Lee could be painted on the uh, Performance Center walls. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome, Shane. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Yeah, talk about a mural of fans. Um, I think my suggestion would be, because I'm pretty sure they're going to be there. I don't know this. But what if you had all the wrestlers, wives, husbands, boyfriends, girlfriends, children, just form a studio audience at the Performance Center? Could you put one every too six big feet? Of a crowd. <laughs> I was going to say, put them six feet apart. <laughs> everybody. Well, that's why they had to cancel blood and guts because you had five five on five in the ring. Well, hell, you couldn't have cameras or nothing else in there. Nope. 
Yeah, <laughs> well, I was going to say, you, you'll have to keep them six feet apart because wives and girlfriends, you know, they're going to be <laughs> testy anyway. So they're going to have, especially if they both have the comp, same comp code on their ticket. Oh, God. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Uh, da, da, trajectory blown. Remember, they're going to have a six pack challenge for the uh, SmackDown women's title as part of WrestleMania. Well, they've already canceled the Battle Royals. Yeah. The men and women's Battle Royals are gone. And Brian, I know you're heartbroken about that. Uh, I mean. Okay. I gotta... I'm not. Oh, go ahead. Easy. Go ahead and get a bunch of department store mannequins and set them social distanced apart and then paint them Technicolor green and then superimpose live people on the department store mannequins. See, You'd still see, get a Bullet Club right t-shirt. <laughs> get a Bullet Club t-shirt, hell yeah! Boy, <laughs> Stan's idea. Well, I mean, Paul Lee doesn't have anything else going on. <clears throat> oh, you meant the Wembley Stadium idea. I'm watching WrestleMania 30 on ESPN. Okay, you you popped in one second too soon because if you'd have waited, Stan would have received the. <laughs> You're welcome, Stan. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. He's looking out for me. I mean, we could. I mean, think about it though. We could do the old uh, semi truck match. You know, Ooh, King of the Road. Yes. Yeah, King of the Road, <laughs> where they'd still be in the ring, but the truck is. <clears throat> In the background, a true calls cut anywhere match. We could do anything. Oh, that'd be awesome! Oh my God, he threw Batista into the freaking weight room. (laughs) You could have a quarantine match where they can't get within six feet of each other. (laughs) (laughs) Not the strap match. Only this way, it bounces them back instead of towards each other. No, it's a pole. (laughs) Six foot pole. And they are thinking about doing it two nights. Yeah. Oh my god. See this. This is my ultimate problem with this. Is I don't need everybody in, in on the card. Like I don't need all hundred employees on the card. I don't need to see them all. Well, now Vince is like, wait a minute. We can have <laughs> WrestleMania at the Performance Center, and I don't have to pay travel or hotels. All right, everybody's in. Yeah, right. Yeah. You get we a match. Killed... <laughs> oh! Yeah, we just you killed get a match instead, of, yourself. Uh, instead of coal miners glove, we could have these surgical gloves on a pole match. Ooh, With there a... you go. Hand sanitizer on a pole. In the you really, you realize how insensitive that would be? <laughs> well, Braun Strowman could have that match. We could just make it a, f- a clean sweep. <laughs> No, you have a Braun Strowman match. Whoever fights him comes out and tears up a Kia. <laughs> well, we could always have the people who've had the most uh, wellness policy violations have a soap on a rope on a pole match. Oh, I do like the social distancing Royal Rumble, where if the, uh, if the ring starts to fill up more than ten people, somebody's got to go. <laughs> they just eliminate themselves. <laughs> Ah, crap. I'm 11th. Shit. (laughs) I'm out of here. If there's already 10, somebody's getting the Santino Marilla treatment right off the entrance. I wasn't ready. No, we just go ahead and calculate who has the lowest t-shirt sales and make them eliminate themselves that way. Bye, Baron. 
So that would be so funny. You grab yourself by the hair and jump over the ropes. <laughs> or or what, what, how how funny would it be for them for there to be a line outside the ring waiting to get in? <laughs> like they've called the numbers and they won't come out because they're doing the the Vince thing where they're not, you know, they're all laying down in the ring and they're not getting up and they're just like standing out there like waiting in line like, come on, but then they got to be six feet apart in the line so the line will go all the way to the back. Or just have Vince count them too, have them steady counting in the ring, and when somebody goes out, he puts the next one in. And then the next guy, when that guy comes back in, he's got to jump back out. Ding! Now serving number seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> then you can really see him start trading numbers. I don't want to go next. You go next. Survivor <laughs> Series: The Social Distancing Edition. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. We took that to turn. Brought to you by Karate Fighters and Germac <laughs> And they thought we could just what if historical events. <laughs> 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 we can do future. <laughs> we can hey, save ben, them. <laughs> we can save anything. you. <laughs> yeah, we can save WrestleMania. <laughs> And the winner of the social distancing royal greatest royal rumble will get a mountain-sized pile of Lysol wipes <laughs> and toilet paper. The winner of the toilet paper. Now, I did crown. have the funny thought when they were still talking about what they were going to do. I'm like, why don't you just move Mania to Saudi Arabia? You don't care oh, about anything else that geez. goes on over there. Oh man. <clears throat> I mean, it would not have shocked me, even though I say that in humor. It would not have shocked me for Vince to pull that move. But probably international travel would have, you know, told him. Oh, that would, yeah, international travel would have killed that in a hard beat. Even with his buddy being in the White House. (laughs) Uh, It's, I honestly, if they had done that, if they had moved Mania to Saudi, I wouldn't have watched I think that would be a death knell for me as a fan. And I'm barely holding on as it is. Because, like, they just make so many stupid moves after stupid move. And, I mean, they keep going down the same well thinking that, you know, oh, God, this is going to make a difference. This is it. Because, again, Vince is the smartest guy in the room. You know, he's got to be right. Which just is the stupidest, stupidest thought. And it's not going to matter because now, now you're going to do this and you're going to claim that oh, we put smiles on faces. Well, that's great. You put smiles on faces. You're still not, you're still not paying attention. And when everything passes, when all this is done, your business is going to have to be picked up and you're going to have to still find a way to clean up the messes that you've made. Mm, that's not true. There's an article floating around that. After something that happened on Raw, he realized he was out of touch. I saw that. So when he was watching the uh, the ultimate deletion mm-hmm. between um, the Hardys and uh, the Wyatt family, was it that? Yeah, but it was on Raw, and he said that after watching that, you know, he didn't get it. And if the fans, if it drew a number, he would truly know that he's out of touch. Uh, Newsflash, buddy, you're you're out of touch. Um, (laughs) You're way out of touch. Yeah, all the notes sing about it. Ah, (laughs) 
Uh, and they're out of time. Yes. I was wondering <laughs> if it was going to go for the Hollow Notes references. Mm, I got you, fam. <laughs> so here's an interesting, here's an interesting question. If the revival's contract is up in April, mm-hmm. and do you think they're going to be booked like straight onto an AEW Dynamite after it's up? Things no, like just, April fifteenth, like Matt Hardy was. Yeah. Do mm. you think Corona is going to is playing in their favor right now? Definitely, it is. Definitely, because. You can't tack on time for a global pandemic. Not even Vince is that stupid. Um, well, he might be, but I just don't see it working. Okay, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Would it be stupid for him to try that or smart for him to do that? Because remember, the way the contracts are written, based on what I've seen leaked in previous days... And what, from what we've heard discussed by other talent, they do have that option. Mm-hmm. Because if even though creative may not have anything for you right now, you are still contract talent. Well, if this if they can show that this has caused a situation to where they could not use them right then and there, but they did have something for them, they can extend it and put it on the back end of the deal. That's been accomplished before. If now, however, the situation comes into play where the contract does expire naturally and they can show that creative didn't have anything for them, then basically everything's put in play, but it's fair game. But you also have to remember different entities have different non-competes. Sometimes go ahead. Uh, the WWE would lose that court case. The revival oh, would get a good attorney, and they would win. And I think, but, but WWE of... would stall them long enough to where it wouldn't matter. Hmm, that's a good point. Okay, yeah, Here's... I don't, I don't think the W, I don't think the WWE wants to look like too much of a bad guy in these contracts. Yeah, because they're yeah. on the verge of losing a boatload of people. Well, here's what we're here's the other side of that coin. What is the difference between the revival and Matt Hardy? Uh, the Matt, big one. Are you, as far as contract? No. Well, they didn't have anything going for Matt Hardy at the time. Matt Hardy okay. hasn't said anything either, except positivity about the company. Well, no, he's he come out and on uh, talk is Jericho or whatever said that mm-hmm. um, he kept pitching ideas and they would just shoot him down, mm-hmm. and that that's when he made his mind up. And then the there was the talk of maybe him going to NXT, but by then he was like, no, I'm out. So he knew for some time he was out, but. For a while, he was pitching ideas to them, and they just were like, no, don't see it. So I'm not sure if um, Eddie will remember what I pitched a couple of weeks ago, but get you guys' thoughts on this. This is a what if. But if the revival comes in, my opinion is if they come in with one Jim Cornette as their manager, they are the biggest heel 
that company has seen and it's money working with the Young Bucks or anyone throughout that tag team division. Yeah, Jim would do it. Cornette would never do it. it work with the Bucks and Omega, he'd sooner cut his own arms off. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, uh, you know, again, this That's is why the what is. Yeah. Okay. Can you imagine that first promo on national television? <laughs> yeah. For, for yeah. those that have not seen the YouTube, Twitter, or podcast of Jim's. <laughs> I am so against you all. I had to come to your warehouse and show you how it's done. The problem is marketability. Because case point scenario, Adam Rose leaves WWE and has to go by another name and that company runs the risk of getting in trouble for FKA Adam Rose mm-hmm. or Ryback before the name change or Damian Sandow. These were names that were created and marketed by the IP of WWE. Matt Hardy has been Matt Hardy they won the revival can't take that with them so it's going to be a case of new viewers put it this way if you have a hundred people that watch both raw and aew or whichever show the revival's on and if they those the majority of that 100 the first night they walk out on aew they're gonna go that's the revival Mm mm-hmm but for every 100 people that would know, I'll break that number down differently. For every 10 people that would know that's the revival, you got 20 that watch AEW that don't know them by any other name. Well, yeah, but so I I think they trademark FTR. So those, those that know, know it by Either F the revival or forever the revival. Free the revival. I, I was going to say, or in these times, free the revival. Yeah. So I, I think you could probably do that as long as you just left it FTR. I think they're good. I think I think or the elite Dash did a good job. Or whatever. Yeah. And I also think that the elite did a good job making sure fans are like, well, who is the revival? Who are these guys? Like, they're literally doing this every week, and they've done it for years now. So, at this point, it's more about, okay, well, who is these guys? And now we finally get an introduction as, you know, Eddie's saying for that 20 that have never seen him wrestle. Well, now they can, and now they can see what the hype's about. So, do I think they would drive a number by themselves? No, but, and it's a huge but, because if you think about it, while they wouldn't drive a number maybe over a long term, depending on what they do with them, in the immediate sense, oh yeah. The debut episode, where they are going to show up, because you know that AEW does a great job of teasing, oh yeah, it would have a number. Well, they don't tease, they basically come out and tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, with with what they did this past Wednesday... And, and I think this would probably be a good way to close this out. This past Wednesday, the way they swerved Matt Hardy and Brody Lee and switched roles, mm-hmm. I didn't see that coming I, at all. Yeah, but but I don't think it was a swerve. Brody Lee left first, and the, it was coming out that he was going to debut in Rochester. 
which mm-hmm. was this past Wednesday show, mm-hmm. right? And you get the you start getting the word from uh, uh, the Dark Order. Well, he's coming. He's coming. The bird. The the video with the birds. And then up. Oh, he's going to be here next week. Mm-hmm. And now this is all before Matt Hardy. Right. Right. <clears throat> Matt Hardy that- developed really fast. As far as that we well, know of. Well, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Now, uh, for for the fans, Matt Hardy develops fast, mm-hmm. right? Because even when Randy Orton takes him out, there, you don't really get that Matt Hardy is leaving the WWE, right? Until, what is it? I think it's the Sunday, last Sunday. And then Matt comes out and says, as of 12 o'clock tonight or this morning, I'm no longer with the WWE. Mm-hmm. And then you get the delete video. Then you get the uh, deletion video. And then he shows up. I don't, I don't, I think if you pay attention, it should have never been a swerve to begin with. Because again, if you, if you read stuff online and you look at, uh, you know, all the dark order stuff, He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Uh, he's going to be here tonight. No, it's not tonight, it's next week. And again, at that time, Matt wasn't there. Yeah, but and even Matt Hardy was teasing it with his uh, backwards spelling of exalted and all that stuff. Oh, well, sure. But again, though, he's doing it at a point where he hasn't even come to AEW. You know, you know again, you see what I'm saying? He, he he's not even saying he's there, whereas you know Brody Lee's coming. Brody fits that character just as well, if not better, than Matt does. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And let me just say, the introduction they did for Brody Lee was amazing. Like, the, the whole thing, the video, and you've got to admit, the video that they did, like, with the light and everything, somewhat similar to Bray Wyatt. But they... They did it. You see the silhouette in the entranceway, the shadowing, the lighting was just a certain way where it looked like, oh, that could be Matt Hardy's trench coat. That could be. And then he comes closer and you're like, that's a lot taller and sounds a little different than Matt Hardy. And then all of a sudden you realize you're like, oh, crap, that's that's Brody Lee. That's damn. And it was just like the way they did it was just really well done. It was just it was great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it just. I mean, when was the last time we actually saw, like, two separate debuts in one night Ooh. that were just kind of mind-blowing, even though you knew they were coming by this point? Um, but they still I, felt think, spontaneous. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. We, you haven't probably seen it since the Attitude Era. Like, when Rick Rude shows up and, and he's on two shows in one night. Right. I was jumping up and down when Vanguard 1 comes out at the end. I'm like, oh, it's Vanguard 1. It's yeah. cool. And <laughs> Keanu's looking at me like, you're crazy. What the hell is Vanguard 1? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's it's, it's Matt Hardy. And then as soon as they showed him, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Because, like, honestly, for me, yeah, I get it. I mean, I was disappointed when they announced that they were postponing Broad and Guts. But, like... It's like, man, you don't have a better setup for a partner than with that. Mm-hmm. 
And actually, I'm yeah, curious I mean, to see what they do when they do put it back on the schedule and how they build up to it. Well, I think now we'll probably get an actual true build up. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. Other than them so-called feuding, which right. they, you know, they haven't really done it in a few months. I mean, there's really, if you, honestly, there hadn't been a buildup to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they feuded at the beginning, then they kind of all went their separate ways. Because Paige and Kenny are, you know, against the Bucks. Cody is MJF, and Jericho and them are Moxley. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not like they've had this major feud going on for six months. Yeah. Now maybe we get a feud. Well, I mean, we've got a lot of things that we have high hopes for. Um, I don't think WrestleMania is one of them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm typically the guy that's going to be like, yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, not, not this year. <laughs> I'm not really not really feeling it. And the addition of Rob Gronkowski doesn't necessarily uh, change, my, <laughs> change my stance. Um, Actually, know. Stan, this will be the year. This has to be the year that the in-ring talent genuinely gets by and gets through and gets over on their own talent. Not going to happen. Lesnar McIntyre, I see it working. Um, I don't necessarily see it for the Reigns-Goldberg match. Mm-hmm. Goldberg shown that he blows up on his entrance. <laughs> That's going to be so bad. Even without the pyro. Uh, could be, <laughs> that match could be helped by lack of progress. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's as I've said recently. <laughs> WWE finally found the way to get um, the main strap on Roman Reigns without everybody booing him out of the building. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? It's just, it's, I'm still gonna boo. Of course you are. Be there. <laughs> I'm getting on Twitter. I'm booing. <laughs> gonna put and a then bunch of, of course, when needs. it comes to the fiend and John Cena, this is one that gets by on its own merit, not just the crowd noise and the response. And yeah. if Cena wins, we riot. I mean, all of that stuff in play. This match will get through because you have Cena who has to perform at that level, and the fiend who will perform at that level. Yeah. And then you've yeah, got. But, Go ahead. Oh, uh, I was gonna say they. Ha- I mean, this is a two night event. I want you yeah. to think about this. Hardly any of those matches are going to be on the first night. So by the time you yeah. get to the second night, you're gonna there's going to be fatigue. Who's going to want to watch the second night of WrestleMania? Well, and that's just really it. Think- night one. How do you do that except main event McIntyre and Lesnar for night one? You have to. Well, actually, in my world, I would go ahead and put Reigns and um, Goldberg on one, and then McIntyre and Lesnar on two because Lesnar's the bigger star than Goldberg. Yeah, but I, I think you'll get your booze in the fact that nobody's going to turn on night two because you yeah. know Reigns is going to win. Yeah. And after that, everybody's going to be like, nope, I've, I've seen enough WrestleMania. <laughs> because if people think for a minute that you're going to put all the Raw matches on one night and the SmackDown matches on another, one of the two nights is going to suffer. I mean, both of the nights are I already going to suffer. Yeah. Well, you gotta you got to remember, you got to take over, too. Yeah. So you got to sprinkle the NXT matches in there. 
So I mean, I can't even get excited for Undertaker and AJ Styles. I haven't um, gotten excited for an Undertaker match since oh, I don't know, two thousand one. Oh, ooh, Giant Oh, no, not the Giant Gonzalez. <laughs> Like skyscrapers. I mean, oh, like God. the Yeti. Oh wait, that wasn't him. <laughs> Last call. Bars closed. <laughs> All right. Well, let's close it out like this. Rob, final thoughts for the week, man. And where can they catch up with you? Uh, you can catch up with me on Instagram at rdhuwp. Um, Facebook, Rob Hefner. Um. But just stay the course, do your part, be smart, and uh, we'll see you next week. Brian, it's to you. Uh, God, I mean, I have so many pearls of wisdom. Um, I'll I'll leave you with two. Uh, Don't eat yellow snow. Okay, great advice. Great advice. And uh, keep your timber limber. And you'll be a hard man to beat. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, uh, <laughs> I'm just glad you didn't try to make a necklace out of those pearls. <laughs> so, uh, that's it for me. Glow in the dark thunder beads. <laughs> Where's that UV light when you need it? Uh, you can catch up with Brian on Twitter at SDRCP21. Shane, over to you, sir. Final thoughts. And where can I catch up with you? Uh, thank you guys for having me here on Corner to Corner. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I hope that everyone listening enjoyed it as well. And thank you for following all our programming on the station. Uh, you can catch me, Shane Knowles, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. I would be remiss if I didn't leave with one final quick panel question for everyone. First champion AEW, Chris Jericho. Second champion currently, John Moxley. Three words or less. Next AEW champion, no matter when it happens, when or where, is Stan. Mm, Pack. Rob. Mm. MJF. Brian. Uh, Adam Page, and you can't take the other two's uh, answers because they've been jaded by Adam Page. <laughs> it's what he's doing. <laughs> Shane, you were jilted first there, buddy. Um, no, 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 no. I got my deal. Y'all didn't. Notice Brian did not go three words or less. Right. He never did. <laughs> he said, Hangman Adam Page. <laughs> no. Hand wash. If, if, Adam Page. <laughs> and just for Google's, I'm actually surprised that Brian just did not go fecal matter, fecal matter, fecal matter. <laughs> Here's your tongue twister for the week, kids. Oh, hey, I'll have you know, this has been a good show. I did not cuss once. <laughs> yeah, no, Stan got the only one. <laughs> um, Stan, did you want to go or you want me to go next? You go. Okay. Go uh, real quick, once again. Um, oh, by the way, we didn't get Shane's uh, shameless plugs. You did. I didn't get your AEW champion, sir. Ooh. <laughs> right back to you. You're next. Nanny, nanny, boo boo. With the boss. <laughs> Cody? No, Brandy, because she's sleeping with the boss. Oh, jeez. <laughs> she doesn't get the belt, she'll get the payday. Oh, <laughs> uh, see, that was more than three words, too. Pleasant Grove math. 
And for the record, I love the little gimmick they put on her ID card this week. Said she'd never ring announce again. And what'd she well, do? Start. The coolest. Yeah, I love those. Como did he say? Yeehaw. <laughs> Social distancing since pages? November. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for the record, uh, no, uh, actually, I'll go. With, I. Uh, I'll go with Paige. I'll go with Paige. Seriously, um, short version. As as we've made the statement since tonight has been on um, the fusions episode of Corner to Corner and the Shooters Gallery. Uh, Tuesday will be the um, fusions episode of Beyond Ringside Live and the To Be Determined show. Mark Mabo Bowman, yours truly, Josh O'Hagan, and the Oracle of Ominous, the Wicked Nemesis, Katie Bar the Door. It's going to be fun. At Beyond Ringside on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Beyond Ringside and Facebook.com slash Beyond Ringside Live. Be sure to download the TuneIn Radio app and catch the TuneIn, um, find the Beyond Ringside channel on TuneIn. And final thought, I brought it out to play yesterday and I'm going to do it tomorrow. We had the passing of a true legend in the form of one Mr. Kenny Rogers. I put on my so- my personal social media that I would like to lay down hashtag the gambler challenge in honor and in tribute to Kenny Rogers. I challenge to be able, I challenge everyone to do a video of you singing the chorus of the gambler. You got to know when to hold him, know when to fold him, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. You only, um, there'll be time enough for counting when the deal is done. Or if you really want to pick any line from the song, including in somewhere in the darkness, gambler, he broke even. And the trick to it is when you do the video of yourself, after you sing, you challenge four people. It can be friends. It can be celebrities. I don't care, but I think it would be cool as hell in tribute and an honorarium to Mr. Rogers. Kenny Rogers, that is not the man, not the man from the neighborhood. Thanks, Fred. But if we could get this going, I think it'd be cool as hell because you never know who's going to do what and how well or how badly they're going to do it. Um, by the way, Shane, you're in my first four challenges. <laughs> so I'll have that video done tomorrow and I'll have it posted on YouTube and I'll share it on my personal media. Um, I had seen no at the point in time when I originally posted it, no one else had done hashtag the gambler challenge. So I'm taking full on this one. Thanks for playing. For Stan, me pers- get on that. That's cold. What? For me personally. The gambler challenge. Yeah, Let's I'm- beat him to the punch. Okay. I'll, I'll just I'm go in and challenge. I'll challenge the entire Beyond Ringside family of shows to do a video. Holy that God. covers every damn body. <laughs> Brian, that means you got to participate. You got to sing. I don't. I, I didn't participate in any other challenge out there. I'm not participating. You're tra- you're participating in the gambler challenge. <laughs> Sorry, Stan. We can't participate because we can't be within six feet of each other. So, ah, oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. You don't have to do it as a group. You can do it as a solo. And as far my as my voice goes, the deal is done. <laughs> Hashtag the gambler challenge. <laughs> you got to know when to hold them, and you got to know when to fold them. No when to walk away, but no when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. I'm not doing it. (laughs) You're not tricking me. 
Folks, forgive me, but I never thought I'd see the day when Brian would genuinely go chicken shit. That's fine. I don't care. <laughs> My voice stinks. <laughs> I'd like to announce that uh, Mark Mabo Bowman and I will also be doing the Islands in the Stream Challenge. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. That, That's that would be a good one. Video or it didn't happen? You got it. <laughs> By the way, beyondringside.com, prowrestlingradio.net, and the Beyond Ringside channel on the TuneIn mobile app. Stan, take us home. You know, it's been a crazy week. We've got a lot of things coming up our way. I want to th- I want to thank everyone for, you know, taking some time out and just escaping with us, enjoying some, some comedy, some entertainment, and some good old-fashioned wrestling talk. We definitely appreciate and love all of our fans and listeners. We do. Um, hey, wait, wait, wait. One more thing. Yes. One more thing. Sometimes, Stan cries after sex. Just throwing it out there. You know, secrets... <laughs> Hello, <laughs> privacy. I want to sit sometime. <laughs> Brian, it actually is the person with whom he's having sex. She just knows how to throw her voice real well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> you know, um, Rob said it best. Do your part. Help each other. This is a time where, you know, you can do a lot just by staying home. You know, don't put yourself in that situation. Do what you got to do. Take care of your family. Take care of each other. We will see you next Sunday. Stan. Yes, sir. You said that perfectly. Let me take this one out for money real quick. I apologize for doing this. Remember, folks, if you're tired of cooking or don't want want to cook, there are companies like Grubhub, um, DoorDash, and Waiter that will deliver to your residence or to wherever you are. We have contact, and I say we for DoorDash and Grubhub, I deliver for both. We have contact-free deliveries in place where you do not have to come close to or interact with the driver. Can Please remember. Here's your big back. <laughs> I have a contact-free rule in place. I will deliver. Have you I ever will... played the game Paperboy? Yeah, really. <laughs> Damn, Here's your burrito. <laughs> what do you mean, no tip? He throws it up on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> I would too if there's no tip at all. You, you drag that some bitch down off the roof. Delivery or the garage. Again. <laughs> but seriously. Those companies I know of have contact-free rules. They will bring it to your door, set it at your door, or on a table, or wherever you want it. Knock to let you know they're leaving, and then they'll depart. They'll take a picture of it and send it to you, too. That way you know it's there. Yeah. So I wanted to get that one out real quick into the uh, into the stratosphere to let everybody know there are options. Absolutely. Please tip your driver accordingly. At C2CRadioShow.com. Uh, C2CRadioShow.com on Spreaker. At Stan Grubb for Twitter for me. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great night, a good week. We'll talk to you next time. Have another one, Stan. Bye. About to say, is he not even going to say goodnight? Well, I did say we'll talk to you next time. That's normal. You don't deserve a good night. <laughs> we'll catch your ass down the road. <laughs> you can't handle a good night. <laughs> What? You got a tiny wanger, boy. <laughs> oh, it's not a tiny wanger, it's a millipeder. Uh, he calls it his Kenny Roger Roaster. Oh, you know. Size? <laughs>
you know, my girl likes it when I blow air on her when she's hot, but honestly, I'm not a fan. <laughs> Easter egg's done. Good night. Uh, good night, everybody. Have a good one. Shit, that was funny. Oh, wait, we were still on the air? Oh, what? We're broadcasting? <laughs> we're live? We're live, <laughs> pal. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. <laughs> 